wizard, Harry. That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. As you wish. See, the universal greeting works every time. How far did you get in the Harley Quinn show? I'm on episode nine of season two. So you've been introduced to the Condiment King already? Yeah, what a ridiculous character. So it was brought up that in Suicide Squad, which I know you weren't as big of a fan of that movie as I was, that Polka Dot Man was not created, but he was brought to that movie because James Gunn Googled like the least known like DC villain. How the hell did mm-hmm. Condiment King not make it higher in that ranking? I have no idea. So Condiment King is like a canon villain outside of that show. I've never even heard of him. Yeah, so is Kite Man. Kite Man and Condiment King were not created just for that show. They are apparently 100% real. I believed Kite Man. Kite Man was just wonky enough to like fit the vibe, but still also be a DC character. See, my thing is like, like C D list hero, maybe or D list villain. You weren't as big of a fan of Polka Dot Man as I was. You think he didn't service anything in the actual movie other than pop in He was just joke. a punchline. But I think we can both agree that Kite Man, and I, you're not caught up all the way done yet, but Kite Man has a much better arc than most other, I think, heroes get. And Kite Man is just, he ends up being one of my favorite characters in that show. Yeah, Kite Man is like a developed character. I mean, I only have a little bit left on season two, but he's been like a great presence throughout the show so far. How many seasons are out right now? Is like, it two or three? It's two. Okay, yeah. So uh, where are you at with him and... Um, you got to be with him and Ivy now, right? Like, you, you know they're together. Yeah, we're, I'm like there and then also kind of like past that because now it's all about Harley and Ivy. Yeah. Which is, you know, it does stem from the comics as well. And um, in the in the show, though, like, they actually made me care about the characters a good deal. Even the Poison and yeah, Ivy they did a great job or with the it. Poison and Harley relationship, I totally bought into and was invested in. But Ron Funchies as King Shark is just bar none one of the best comedic characters. Like, his deliveries and um, Clayface as well. Um, dude, all those characters. Yeah, they're are good both great. Rad. I think I think King Shark was a little bit jarring for me because I started this show after watching the new Suicide Squad. Mm, one so, Sylvester Stallone. Like, <laughs> so coming from like basically the Groot of uh, Suicide Squad, and then seeing this new like much more animated uh, version of him. Yeah, that was like a little bit. That was a bit jarring, but I like the cartoon one better. And I talked to my brother and uh, James about this, um, who were both in the Star Wars episode. Um, the you normally it's it does nothing for me when a female cusses, but for whatever reason, when freaking Penny of all people from Big Bang Theory, when she throws out an f bomb as Harley Quinn, it just it, she makes f words cool. Like her just delivery <laughs> is just beat for beat, like hilarious and great. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. 
I, I mean, I'm it not just, saying all ladies need to be ladylike, but usually it just feels more trashy than anything. But nope, she delivers some ladylike f bombs nonstop. Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't think it feels trashy in any way. But that also is kind of the whole point of that show. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the Harley Quinn show is to sort of be like feminist in nature and be like about empowering like the whole present the whole um like overarching theme of the show is her realizing she's in a toxic relationship with the joker yeah which i was and then emancipating herself from it and then exploring how she functions on her own as an independent and then also it's basically just like a who runs the world girls show and it's cool. Yeah. I, uh, my, my wife and I talked about before, like I would like Harley Quinn a lot more and meet media in general. If it wasn't so, uh, tied to her toxic relationship to Joker. Um, but the representations like we have in this show where it's about her overcoming that and overcoming the, uh, quote unquote, um, Jesus, what's it called? When somebody cap takes you captive <laughs> and then you end up caring for the Stockholm syndrome. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a Stockholm syndrome, um, you know, which really doesn't play out uh, if ever in real life. But in the you know the comics and things like that, it just feels very Stockholm syndrome, syndrome-y. Um, and to see her coming to her own as her own identity in the show. Meanwhile, you get characters like uh, God. What's the big brain dude's name? It's been a bit since I've watched it. Uh, the one who drops the c word with the Amazons yeah isn't it just like psycho or something like that or yep it's um, pretty point and click it's just psycho i think okay yeah i thought it was something <laughs> like that yeah and if i'm wrong then whatever come after me nerds speaking of uh you were listening to the calm down nerd podcast i am eric smith um uh, here with me today is legitimately my lifelong best friend we're on our 20th anniversary of friendship this summer uh nicholas barassa say hi nick Hey, what's up, man? Sorry I didn't get you anything for our anniversary. Oh, it's okay. You've got me years of love and laughter and a couple hugs here and there. That's nice. (laughs) Only two kisses on the cheek, though, (laughs) but I won't take that bitter forever. Um, You you can be found in the uh, Zodi Hacks podcast, and you're going to make a face at me that I can always picture for pre-plugging this, but eventually you're going to come out with a beautiful EP, that I'm going to plug nonstop on this podcast. Every episode, I'm just going to be like, go listen to this EP. <laughs> well, wait till it's out before you plug it, please. It's going to be absolute dog shit, Creed level, like three doors down bullshit. And I'm going to be like, everybody needs to go listen to this. Because I will support you. No matter what. No matter what. <laughs> hey. <laughs> if, if, I could, if I was half as successful as Creed, I wouldn't even complain. <laughs> Can you take me? Anyways, um... <laughs> Uh, again, my name is Eric Smith. You're listening to the Calm Down Nerd Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sincerely underscore Eric, or if you want to follow the podcast, it's at Calm Down Nerd P, P for podcast. Um, I have a pretty inactive Gmail if you ever want to e- email, which people still do, so it's okay. So it's Calm Down Nerd Podcast at gmail.com. And that's it for the upfront plugs. Uh, now we're going to bullshit it for bullshitters and just talk for a bit. Besides the amazing Harley Quinn show, which I'm so glad you finally liked, you watched Invincible recently. What else have you been up to? I did. 
Invincible was awesome. I watched Fuck, that. We haven't ranted I, about uh, that yet. We can rant about that in a bit if you want. I'm happy to rant about Invincible. I fucking love that show. It was awesome. Um, and the other thing I've been watching lately, and I'm only like, you know, two decades late to the party, but uh, it's The Sopranos. I started watching that. You can tell me more about that. But I do want to preface this entire episode, which I need to do a better job personally as a host of bringing this up up front. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Calm Down Nerd podcast, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. But this is a spoiler podcast. Anything we talk about, we're in free reign to talk about any aspect of it. We're not going to worry about saying spoiler warning past this point. We all know how The Soprano ends, but if we talk about other things you haven't finished yet, <laughs> it is up to you. Hey, that was a little bit ironic because I'm pretty sure nobody actually knows how Soprano ended. Anyways, um, if you haven't finished that form of medium yet, then you know it's up to you if you want to have it spoiled for you or not. Moving on from that, how many seasons are you on the second season of Soprano? Yeah, yep, I'm on the second season now. Wanted to see what all the fuss was about, uh, and I won't do anything when it's popular. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I waited a, a long time to check it out. Yeah, look. Side note: you are kind of a hipster with things sometimes, very contrarian. I'm surprised how quickly you watched Invincible. I was like, it's going to be years before I can talk about that with this man. Yeah, I don't know why I watched that one so quick either, because it seems like that would be exactly the It's because your boy Charlie play. spoke so highly of it. No, I didn't even watch his thing. I don't watch his, like, moist meters or any of that shit on stuff I haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. Uh, just because, like, I don't want to, I don't want my opinion altered about something yeah. uh, before I experience it. But, like, my brother told me to watch Invincible. You told me to watch Invincible. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend's roommate told me to watch Invincible. And then I got bored one night and I watched Invincible. And it was awesome. So good. So maybe I should just start listening to people more often. Yeah, on occasion. I, You and I have disagreements over Cruella, which, dude, I... Yeah, that was a bad movie. It, it, <laughs> the humor of uh, Artie, Art... The humor of Jasper and Horace, um, the artfulness of like, I'm not much into fashion. However, all of those fashion scenes, dude, I was fully behind just rooting at the TV. I thought it was greatly done. Does it need to be completely removed from the 101 Dalmatian multiverse? Yes. It should not have been part of the 101 Dalmatians worldview. So... If you take it, it's like Joker was the Batman. It's like Joker was the Batman. I disagree. So if you take it separate from 101 Dalmatians, that's fine. It's still a shit film. (laughs) Like it's, (laughs) and don't get me wrong. And I'm saying that with like the utmost respect. Like I enjoyed watching it. I thought that uh, the sort of like impetus for you know her becoming Cruella and everything like the stuff with her mom was stupid. It looked which, bad. Which, um, which Bob? Like, well, which, with, the, which, with the dogs, like which twist was more of a face palm to you? The first twist with the mom or the second twist with the mom? The, they were both fucking stupid, but <laughs> the first one, the first one was really dumb. I was like, Oh, Dalmatians knocked your mom off the cliff. She hates Dalmatians. Fucking cool. That makes sense. And then, like, you know, later on, it's like, oh, 
just kidding. You know, the big mean lady is also your mom. And it's All just right. like dumb. All right. Look me oh, in the I eye. I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I didn't <laughs> even get to say what I wanted to say. The movie sucks. And the reason that it sucks is because it's so like cliched and stupid because it's basically just Ocean's Eleven with fashion. The fashion was cool, but like it had this stupid heist scene. Like, I, it was a fucking dumb movie, man. I was like, I do really like movie. heist movies. I even like the Italian yeah. job. And that's fine. A heist movie is cool, but I did not go into that expecting a heist movie. <laughs> all right, look, look At me all. in the eye. Look, look me in the eye, and do not lie to me, you piece of shit. Don't lie to me. Did you think she actually killed the dogs during that ro- runway scene? Uh, no. Ah, you were a more optimistic person than my wife and I because we both thought well, she murdered them pups. So the reason I didn't think so is because Disney has been distancing themselves from villains, like in the traditional sense. Uh, they don't they don't go with just like overtly evil, horrid mm. people in the way that That's they used point. to. That's a good point. Um, so they're like humanizing their villains and giving them layers and making them complex people. And instead of it being black and white, you know, like a Dalmatian, it's, uh, you know, everything is fucking gray and boring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I agree with you there. There's no longer a hunter for Bambi. Like, yeah. It, like you'll never see, you'll never see like Gaston the way that Gaston existed in the original Beauty and the Beast movie. Like, Hell, I don't even now think you'll he's going to beast in the original Beauty and the Beast movie. Yeah, now you're just going to see like a tortured, complex man who is a little bit sexist <laughs> versus, versus just the fucking creep that he was. <laughs> with, uh, are we talking about Gaston or the Beast? Uh, talking about Gaston. Okay. The Beast, yeah, the Beast has his own problems. God, when there's that snowball scene in Beauty and the Beast where they're just like laughingly hitting each other's snowballs, I was like, he looked like he was going to eat you 20 minutes ago. What the fuck is this? That has never set right to me. Like, Belle, granted, is one of my favorite princesses, but Beauty and the Beast is one of my least favorite Disney movies, which is weird. But like, Listen, man, the Beast is a monster, but he's also got a soft side. Come on, how did you not get it? The the only <laughs> good version of that story is Shrek, and I'll stand by that. I love Shrek. <laughs> it's good. Hey, did you know there's a it's Shrek a Broadway? I did not. There's a, like a everything Broadway, isn't there? Yeah. One of the uh, shouts out to Draft Punks. Um, I've talked about them the last couple episodes, but they just recently did a, a musicals draft where they all drafted a bunch of musicals. Uh, there's a Dr. Seuss musical I never knew about. There is hey you okay so you are accredited as the person who got me into Young Frankenstein. I am. Yeah, that oh, was sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a Young Frankenstein Broadway, which, if I'm not mistaken, uh, goddamn, what's that director's name? The head guy. In what? Young Frankenstein. The director. Yeah, what's his name? The famous dude? of the movie, Mel yeah. Gibson. Yeah, okay, so I, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, Mel Gibson had a hand in the Young Frankenstein Broadway as well. But knowing that there was a Young Frankenstein Broadway, I kind of want to see it now. I think, I think it'd be pretty fire. Um, Maybe. I've never been much for Broadway stuff. I Okay, so that's what I was originally talking about. We're talking about Jack Funks, we're talking about Shrek. There's a Shrek 
Broadway. I think I'm more into theater and musicals. It's uh, it's like it's like anime to me. Where anime, when I'm watching it, I enjoy it. I usually don't stick with animes, but I have a passing appreciation for it. So it's not like I'll ever put on a an uh, Broadway myself unless someone like recommends it to me or sends me a link. But like when I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, I do enjoy these. Yeah, I can relate to that. There's a lot of things that I wouldn't normally seek out, but if I happen to see it, I can find what I enjoy about it. Like, mm-hmm. that happens all the time. Um, like, my girlfriend will be watching a show. I'll come over, and she'll be six episodes into a show I've never seen before. And I'll just sit down, and I'm, like, invested immediately. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who these people are or what they're doing. <laughs> I have zero context, but I don't care. It's something I haven't seen before. I'll find where I fit in. All right. So besides Harley Quinn, um, what else have you been into? What else have you been gravitating towards? So like just TV shows or do you like, talk about where just in general, like whatever I've been doing. Okay. So except for uh, porn, I mean, yeah. probably don't bring that up. All right. I didn't. <laughs> that was on you. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, I have been trying to watch like a lot of TV shows I haven't seen yet. Uh, so, yeah, I started The Sopranos. I've watched a season of that. And I don't have much of an opinion to offer it on it yet, other than it's mildly interesting. But uh, I've also been replaying a lot of the classic Final Fantasy games. That's been a huge part of my mm-hmm. free time lately. Uh, Shout out to a, you and me, I. me, you, and Nick doing it at episode on that coming up after yeah I, I, have, I have a soft rule that i won't do a crossover episode unless i've already had each guest on individually because i want to give the individual person a, a good spotlight before throwing them on for instance the wrestling episode i just did you got uh dory bob and alex on there they all had their individual episodes now that you've actually officially been on we will do that final fantasy episode soon where all three of us will ape shit talking cool. about it but I would sorry, love to do that's, that. That's like a soft plug for past episodes and future ones. Uh, continue, though. You just finished what you consider to be, would you say it's the worst RPG of all time or top five? <laughs> Maybe top five. So it was, um, I played Final Fantasy IV with mm-hmm. our mutual friend, Nick, and loved it. That game is an absolute masterpiece. I loved it as a child, had it on uh, SNES. So I would just play it on there over and over and over. Um, incredible music, incredible characters. Uh, even with the shitty translation that was on the Super Nintendo, like the story was fantastic. And uh, so playing it again in 2021, really fucking cool, especially because I got to play the version that everyone seems to hate, like the 3D remake. Dude, but, those sprites are not bad. I normally hate chibi stuff, which I consider that to be a light version of. The, I really like the character designs. Yeah, so I will say that I like the sprite work better. I've played the old Super Nintendo one. I've played the uh, the PSP version. The sprite work on those is like better, but these by no means were like bad character designs. Mm-hmm. I thought that they looked really good. And this game also added something to the mix that none of the other versions had. And that was like full voice acting for the cut. Oh, yeah. I was surprised when that first happened. Um, yeah. Didn't have an anime-esque opening, which surprised me as well. 
the uh the PSP versions had that. I don't know if the 3D remake had a CGI opening. I don't think it did. I don't remember. Anyways. But anyway, um it was really awesome. So I was like I finished it way before our friend did. He's still working on it. Yeah, so uh, like, just to note it. real fast, you and him are going through all of the old Final Fantasies kind of together. Um, we all did, which we'll talk about a lot in the episode, we all did the very first Final Fantasy together, December, January timeline. Um, oh, dude, that's one that I actually finished with you guys. Uh, fucking amazing, way better than I thought it would be, honestly. Um, there's a reason that this game is... Uh, it, n- has such notoriety um but after that you two continued on you did ff2 ff3 he's still working or, or wrapping up ff4 so while he was wrapping up ff4 tell us about the decision you made next and who hurt you <laughs> well i decided like <laughs> now since i just replayed final fantasy 4 and loved it so much it was finally time to play the sequel i was like i'll f- I'll blast through this. I'll finish it before Nick even finishes Final Fantasy IV. So I downloaded Final Fantasy IV, The After Years. Uh, And God, was that a fucking mistake. That game is so bad. Did the Pixels beat you up and take your lunch money? I mean, basically, they robbed me of my dignity and my time. (laughs) But it was... Like, I've never seen such a lazy game. It, uh, you know, it was made, I want to say in like, maybe in the, the late 2000s, maybe like 2010, like in that area. It didn't come um, right after originally. Final Fantasy 4? No, no, no. It was made years and years and years later as uh, a mobile phone game in Japan, I believe, first. But was it made US, after it years released. later? I'm going to ignore that. And it was... Uh, later made an exclusive for WiiWare and you could download it in chapters. So you'd Mm. pay for like a chapter and it would star one character uh, and you'd kind of work through that. And the plot would overall kind of like in a, um, like, you know, that movie crash kind of like in that sort of plot where everyone's stories are separate, but then they all intertwine and it's like, Whoa, this is how it's all connected. That was the idea behind this. Uh, except it would be if instead of being an Oscar like nominated film, it was just something that someone cut together in 30 minutes and threw in a trash can. Like it was, and then lit the trash can on fire and then made you like play what was left. It fucking blew, but it was lazy. It was asset reuse. Like it took all of the, the stuff that was in final fantasy four And then they just fucking flipped it to a new game. And I shit you not, I ran the same fucking dungeon. I think it's Mm. called the Ancient Waterway. Across that whole game, hold on. But across that whole game, I ran that same fucking dungeon at least nine different times. Let me Nine times. I fought the same boss. Let me clarify. It was not your decision to do it nine times, was it? No, it's because that's important. It wasn't like you went back in to grind. The story brought (laughs) me through that dungeon at least nine different times across the different chapters. And it made me fight the same boss. I'm sorry. Is that not what Octopath Traveler does? 
No, Octopath does not do it that way. <laughs> Octopath does not do it that way at all. And I, the, when I almost quit the game, there was one part about halfway through the game where they were like, hey, you need to go to this town in the desert. Oh, the only way to get there is through the cave, the ancient waterway. I was like, fuck. All right. I guess we're going through the ancient waterway. So I go to this through the waterway. I fight the boss. I go to the town and I walk in the town and a little cutscene plays. And then one of the characters gets sick and they're like, you need the sand pearl from the antlion's den. And I'm like, fuck, because you know why? It's on the other side of the ancient waterway. So I have to go back through the ancient waterway, but this time with only one character because the other one's sick. And then go all the way to the antlion's place, get that. And then I have to fucking bring it back to the town where the sick person is. So I have to go to the ancient waterway a third time in one chapter. That was so fucking dumb, man. Odd, man. So I'm trying to remember the reason I, I cut away from Final Fantasy IV. Probably wasn't a good one. I am very bad with keeping up with certain games sometimes. Um, oh, what was it? Oh, Christ Tales. Christ Tales? Christ Tales came out and I started playing that. I think that's what it was. Um, I've Have been you played more of that? Uh, yes and no. It's actually uh, been a bit since I turned it on, maybe a week. Um that game's hard, and I've asked a couple of people about it if it's as hard as I made it out to be, and they all say, no, I fucking suck at games, and I need to reevaluate my entire life, and maybe I should go read a book instead. That's definitely possible. No, no. Um, so they said that uh, <laughs> it, it, does, it is more management than it should be. Uh, most of the people who I've talked to who have, like, I guess, reviewed the games say that it doesn't hold up throughout, and like the second half is actually... It just basically goes downhill, which has kind of soured my taste, and maybe I need to just form my own opinion, like a real man. There but, it is. <laughs> what? So there it is. Form your own opinion, man. Be your own boy. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I haven't completely written it off yet, um, but I have, uh, which I'm perfectly okay with, gotten more into reading, um, which I guess I'll talk about real fast. Uh, Dude, House of Leaves, I do not know how hard I can pitch this down your throat. I'm just going to mail it to you when I'm done. It House of Leaves is... I know we talked about it off-air, um, so I'm going to act like I'm telling you this for the first time, so you have to have the same exact reaction. But really, it's just for the listener benefits. Um, it is a book written where you will never find the first edition for it because part of the core concept of the book is that somebody who finds the first edition of the book written by Sapino is found by another character, um, and that other character writes in editor's notes of the book. So that becomes its own story. So right now you have two stories. You have the book, and you have the editor's notes. And the book is about the story of a Pulitzer Prize photographer who is famous for photography. They give a little bit of emotional depth to him very early on for why he's into photography. And he does a documentary about him and his family moving into a new house. And he tries to do it as kind of a sentimental, like, hey, this is the process of people moving in and the house becoming a home. Um, him and his, uh, it's actually not his wife, but they're a long time together. They've made their own decisions to never marry. They have two kids. Uh, I think one of them's name is Daisy. Um, 
But within the process of that documentary, he discovers that the house is a quarter inch bigger on the inside than the outside, which seems like that's not that big of a deal. But like, let me notate, like he does an extreme amount of work in the first few pages of determining it is in fact 100% an anomaly of a quarter inch bigger on the inside than the outside. He goes through the wall. Which should be impossible, right? Yeah, he climbs outside of the window back in. And he gets the close to the spot that I'm at now. He actually calls in his construction working brother to help him out with it. And during the process, which initially his brother is just like, hey, we're strange. We're just looking for a reason to call me. They discover that it's five sixteenths of an inch, which anybody who's much better at math than I am knows that that is bigger than a quarter of an inch. So it goes from a quarter of an inch to five sixteenths. I suspect that that is just, I'm pretty early in the book, that that is just the first steps to the house becoming much, much more. I do know it's a horror book. Um, it's been compared to as the uh, closest literature has ever come to doing a Blair Witch Project, but better. Um, so I know it's a horror story with a lot coming forward with it, but it's just so unsettling and disquieting on like the editor's note goes from a couple sentences to full pages. Where when reading it, even one of the early sections, it's just like, holy shit, this dude's losing his mind. So it's layered. I've been told it's frustrating to read. Um, you are, which I want to come back to this point, um, you uh, you are a much better person with reading comprehension, which you've accredited to playing RPGs growing up, a lot of text-based reading, things like that. I do think that this book is an testament to the fact that I'm not as bad as reading comprehension as I thought it was because you have to like follow along with all these different things and like put them together yourselves yourself. And uh, dude, I even from barely being, I'm trying to guess at how far I'm into the book. I would say like 14% as a made up number. I'm 14% through the book. It is just so well done. And if it wasn't already known as a cult classic, I would still feel confident in saying that, like, this is something I can recommend to people. Like, I know it's something that's highly recommended, so I don't feel like I'm alone in saying how good it is. But it's spook season, people. When this episode comes out, it's closer to spook season. Pick yourself up a nice spooky book. Get yourself a nice hot cup of that pumpkin spicy latte basic juice light the pumpkin candle next to yourself and just get into something warm and not comfortable anyway so that's my rant on house of leaves it was really fucking good and now i'm on my rewatch of scrubs currently um dude oh nice you're doing a rewatch yeah i'm still very early on i'm switching between that and the one anime that i followed which i'm still behind on which is seven deadly sins but uh okay so i had this thought do you think he should have ended up with Elliot or do you think he should have ended up with his baby mama, which I do forget her real name, even though she's Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. What was her name in that show? So oh. Elizabeth Banks, for whatever reason, I haven't, I haven't rewatched the entire series. I don't think ever I've seen it all in its entirety at least once, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, when watching it, maybe it's just how uh, off kilter Elliot is in the beginning, even though she's, one of the original terms of adorkable. I'm pretty sure new girl was just like a 2.0 version of Elliot. Um, I just feel like Elliot was the 
worser choice in the end. Yeah, I mean, Elliot grows a lot throughout the show, though. And like in the beginning, she comes across as really cold and neurotic. And it's uh, it's not very endearing. It's off-putting as fuck. Yeah, and it's not until she goes through uh, several like character development mm. moments later, around like season three and four, where she becomes more likable. Where did she get new uh, Elliot? Is that season three? Yeah, that's that's season three because that's when she starts dating uh, Sea World guy mm. Sean or whatever. Yeah, fuck Sean. Even though I'm like more down on Elliot, like no, you know what, Sean is a good guy. I take that back immediately. I apologize yeah. for what I said out loud. Yeah, Elliot's Elliot's fine. She's Elliot. not meant to be great at the beginning. Uh, and to be fair, JD is no catch either, man. That guy, he's got some problems. Dude, okay, so yeah, I was thinking about that recently. Or not recently, but like for talking on this episode. Like uh, with the rewatch, there's so many times where JD knows the right thing to do and he does the wrong thing. He says like basically uh, a good person would say X. And a bad person would say, why? And immediately he says, why? And then a little bit of Z. It's just like, dude, why would you do that? You just said, don't do that. And yeah. it's just it's astounding. Like he can't help but make the worst decision possible in the moment. Yeah. Um, which uh, created segue. Um, there's two questions I always ask guests the first time, the very first time that they're on. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of taking the story halfway back and not all the way back. You and I definitely strengthen our bond over Scrubs. I mean, I can't imagine how much of that show first run you and I have watched together. Um, oh, for sure, man. Yeah, that was like one of like the first things that we did as friends. Like when we started hanging out, we got into that show very heavily yeah. and watched so much. I uh, tell a quick side story real fast because it always makes me laugh, and I'm hoping it makes the listener laugh too. Can you tell the story about you and your uh, little brother um, watching How I Met Your Brother together? Are you are you talking about when – I think you're talking about when we watched The Office. When we Maybe. started watching separately, is that it? Yeah, I always equated to How I Met Your Mother for some reason. I think it's it because you office. and I did the same thing for How I Met Your Mother. So, yeah, my brother and I, were we were watching The Office again. And uh, it was just kind of like a bonding activity for us. We were living together, but like had work different schedules. So we would take a little bit of time whenever we were both home and watch some of the office. But what happened was we quickly got really into it again, like really fucking into it. I was like, man, I just only want to watch the office now. But we weren't always at home at the same time. So what happened was it got the best of me. And when he was working, I was like, I'm going to keep watching the office. I'm just going to keep fucking going. Cause I can't wait any longer. I want to watch more of the show. And, uh, I watched a whole bunch of it. And then he comes home and he goes, Hey Nick, you want to watch the office? I said, yeah. So we sat down and we, I go back to the episode that we left off at. And I'm like, I'm just not going to tell him I, I jumped ahead. I feel bad. I'm just going to pretend this is the first time watching it in years. And, uh, so we're watching it and I'm laughing at all the jokes right on cue. You know, I know when they're coming and I'm like, I'm ready to go. He's going to think this is the first time I've seen this in forever. And, uh, and then after like half the episode, I was like, I don't want to rewatch all of these episodes again. So I go, Hey Sam. I was like, yeah. I said, I got a confession to make. 
What? I watched like the whole season while you were gone at work. And he was like, oh, thank God. So did I. He's like, I didn't want to sit here and watch all of this again. I was just trying not to hurt your feelings. I said, that's really nice, man. I'm glad that you would do that for me. I was doing the exact same thing for you. But now can we please fucking go ahead to where we are? And we did. So we caught up. That's what always makes me laugh, no matter how many times I hear it. Uh, You and I did Bond Leap Over Scrubs. Uh, You and I both worked at Blockbuster together, and I think that's one of our... uh... I fucking forgot I worked at Blockbuster. Jesus Christ. Dude, two decades of friendship. (laughs) That's like probably five years into it. Um, No, so the two questions I always ask guests. The first one is, do you remember the first time you met me or your first impressions of me? Yeah. Now... uh, when I. When I first met you, I'm pretty sure it was like shortly after I moved uh, into my new house. I think you lived on the same street when that happened. And I was outside with, what was it? Was it like a skateboard or a scooter or some shit? So here's the thing is I can never, I can never remember for sure who had the scooter and who had the skateboard. I think I had the scooter and you had the skateboard. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I knew we had things with wheels for sure. I just couldn't, I don't remember. Like I was not a particularly cool kid at that point. So if I Dude, had a skateboard, you were fucking awesome Harry job. Potter who I was face ahead of slammed it. into a cheeseless slice of pizza. I don't know what that means. Are you saying that I had bad acne because that was true? <laughs> yes, you look like <laughs> Harry Potter with bad acne. <laughs> Now, yeah, that was, I that would was say rough, that you're man. a catch, but you've already been caught. So, ladies, he's taken. <laughs> yeah, I was, a, I was a late bloomer for sure. I, <laughs> I had some but uh, now, had a, had some rough a years. full bloom. A full yeah, bloom. but I might have had a skateboard. So Let's just say skateboard. Tell, yeah, so you tell me like who was I, the catch, right? I had a Oh, dude, my skateboard. ankles are still fucked up from that scooter trying to do those little... <laughs> I don't know what they were. Fucking twist yeah. the scooter part, knock out your ankles. Anyway, so yeah, I came down the hill, and you're on your skateboard. I think you had flip. a ramp out, or maybe you're just doing old school trick uh, kickflips and stuff. Yeah, but I, I remember we had some sort of wheel apparatus, and we just started chatting, and uh, and that was like pretty much it, right? I, I remember coming up and like us both just awkwardly being like, "Hi." Hi, and then at some point, like we're doing like our whatever wheelie apparatus we had next to us that were ours, we we're doing our own thing. I was with like, those. "Yo, and then eventually, my parents are divorced. Do you want to be friends or some shit?" <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, <laughs> "Mine might be divorced <laughs> soon. I don't know." <laughs> Jesus, yeah. don't make me sad too quick. Anyways, so <laughs> at one point, we're just kind of doing our own thing, being awkward little kids, and then one of us, I can't remember who, was just like, "Hey." Can I use your wheelie apparatus? The other person was like, yeah. Can I use your wheel apparatus? So we literally switched what we had for the next two fucking hours. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go get a snack now. And then you left me forever. And then I never talked to you again until now. That's (laughs) That's not not true. true. We've almost talked every fucking day since. High five over the internet. We we traded wheelie apparatuses and then we became wheelie good friends. It was amazing. Oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, that's the title of the episode: wheelie good friends. Um, 
So the uh, this is this made me think, uh, and, and of course people were here for tangents. So just go ahead and sit back, relax, and buckle in for these tangents. Do you remember the night we played Fatal Frame in your basement, and what happened after you handed me the controller at your mom's house? <laughs> he literally no. is five feet from the mic now. That way his laugh no. doesn't. <laughs> I don't remember what happened for that because I have another Fatal Frame memory with our other friend that overrode that one. Uh, like we can, can you interrupt me what interrupt me go tell your story oh yeah so when i was hanging out with our other friend nick uh who you, you had on your podcast right yeah he talked about rocky it's actually my second most listened to episode tied for first yeah we were hanging out at his house playing fatal frame uh and scaring like the living shit out of ourselves with it and then there's a knock on the door and we go and we answer the door and some, some fucking guy in like uh, an oversized dress shirt and like, and dress pants that are way too big. And he just kind of looks like shit. But Donald Trump knocked like, on your door. No, no, he was, he was skinny. <laughs> he was skinny and his clothes were too big, but he was like, Hey, you know, is your dad home? And he's like, no, my dad's not home. And he was like, uh okay well i'm trying to sell this vacuum cleaner <laughs> and, and nick goes and nick goes oh well you can come in and wait for him to get back <laughs> so he lets, the, he lets this vacuum cleaner salesman that we've never seen before in our life come hang out in the house where we are by ourselves and he just sits there on the couch with his vacuum cleaner and watches us play this video game until uh, Nick's stepdad comes home and his stepdad immediately is like, who the fuck is this? And why is he in my house? Get the <laughs> fuck out. Get the fuck out. And he was like, I'm just trying to sell this vacuum cleaner. And he's like, he's, I've and he's never like, heard that Yo. story. Yeah, he's like, get the fuck out. And he leaves and he looks at us. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Why would you let a stranger in here? And we were just like, oh. It seemed like a good idea. And then in retrospect, I was like, yeah, that was really fucking stupid of us. Oh, man. Oh, do you know what's more stupid than that? More stupid than that? Whatever. I don't know. I use proper English. Uh, so you dated my sixth grade girlfriend when you were in eighth grade. So I dated her in sixth grade and then you dated her in eighth grade. And then you and your family went all the way on a trip and you're, you asked me to watch your parents' cats or dogs or something. And I let... I, I watched them. I watched the fuck out of them. And then since I was still friends with your girlfriend at the time and we we're hanging out, I was like, hey, I've got to go take care of his pets. And we went into your house. And I was like, hold on right here. And then she wanted to see your room and I showed her your room and literally nothing happened. And then we, we left and some neighbor saw us and your mom hated me forever after that. Yeah, she was fucking pissed, man. My mom. <laughs> Jesus, she, I my forgot about that. Hey, Missy, love you. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> she had spies everywhere. I was so scared to do anything wrong. Like, because I felt I like. even lie to her. Dude, I didn't know how she did it. I just felt like she could see me no matter where I was. It was wild. I'm pretty sure somebody knocked on the door while she was there and I answered the door. I was just like, yes. And they asked some question. I don't remember what I was like, no. 
And then your girlfriend at the time was like, oh, we always should go. It's like, yeah, let's dip out. And we left. Your mom was just like, I forgive you, but I don't know if I'll ever trust you again. And I was like, still yeah, hurting heart. Yeah, that sounds like my mom. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Oh, man. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, trying to trail backwards in my mind. Um, that's the first time we met. We talked about that. The Fatal Frame story that I was going to tell was yeah, what was that? We were in your basement and you were playing, and I told you that like normally, honestly, I just watch you play video games, and that was fine. Uh, nowadays, like I, I did not understand the concept of Twitch and watching people play games until recently. I it drives me mad, just like hey, I'm just going to watch somebody play a game. But the more I've actually followed people on Twitch. Um, the more it's about the community aspect of it. Like I consider the people I watch to be my friends. It's not just parasocial. It, it's just like Preston, who is one of my episodes, whenever he's playing, I'll hop on and talk to him for a bit. So it's definitely more of a friendly community aspect of it. Okay. So now I understand Twitch because Twitch is now what it was for you and I 15 years ago when I was in your basement watching Fatal Frame and just watching you play and kind of talking to you with it during it's hanging out. There's a moment where you're just like, do you want to play? I was like, yeah, sure. He told me the controls real fast, everything like that. And I went to start controlling things and walking down a hallway. And then fucking immediately you're like, pull your camera up. There's a ghost there. I pull the camera up and you can explain it than I do because I have a hazy memory of Fatal Frame's mechanics. But as soon as I pulled it up, there was a jump scare that was absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> I paused your controller, and then I'm not somebody to rage quick or anything like that. So I usually, when I'm playing a game, the controller stays in my hand. I'm not one to throw it or toss it. I hit the pause button and then throw it at our feet. I'm just like, oh, fuck this. So spooked. You were spooked as well because you were just like, holy shit, dude. Oh, God. We we're both catching our breath, and you were like, all right, I will notate that your house was always cooler than mine because you had cool snacks. You had the little Debbie snacks. And we were, your, your mom was strict about oh, one snack. Oh, fuck, yeah, dude. Zebra cakes. Oh, and, that's uh, that was part of the story. Zebra cake very specifically is part of the story. Oh, for real? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you had much cooler snackage than I did. So, uh, But your parents were strict, but it was like in the middle of the night. So you were just like – you were equally as spooked as I was after that happened. You were like – Let's just go upstairs, get a snack. So we went upstairs, right? And you had one of those pantries with the double slide, not slide doors, but they like push in, uh, push out. Yeah. Yeah, they push out. So you would have to kind of push them and they would go along this little thing and open up, right? Wait, mm -hmm. am I explaining that correctly? No, no. It was a, it was a, it was a normal door. This time it was a normal door because I think you eventually, your parents eventually changed the way the door set up. Anyways. It was popped open a little bit. And as we get to the top of the steps, we're trying to be quiet due to your parents' like rules on snacks, right? So we're trying to be quiet, yeah. very hush-hush, and we're still spooked. One of the doors to the cabinets was propped open. And it was just – it's definitely weird in any scenario to have an empty, thin, black, black, black space, darker than black, and then for everything else to be slightly illuminated. So you went to put your hand in and kind of open it, and a wind came through and pushed the door open on its own. And we were both like, nope, we do not need zebra cakes anymore. And we what? went back downstairs without getting the zebra cakes. 
I don't remember that at all. <laughs> to be fair, you don't have the best memory retention. No, I don't. I don't remember <laughs> shit. But but yeah, I don't even hearing that story. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like me. I'm scared of everything. I'm pretty sure we <laughs> eventually got the courage. Like we went back downstairs and we're like, man, I really still want a zebra cake. So we eventually got the courage to go back up. But as soon as that door creaked open without anybody near it, we we're just like, fuck this, dude. Fatal Frame is not worth the zebra cake. It nah, was... I mean, that makes sense. I get scared of, like, fucking everything. Like, uh, uh, my girlfriend scares me all the time when I'm at her house. Mm-hmm. Like, Does she ever do the matter. tickle plane incoming on – incoming to Tickle Town? Uh, I don't think she does that. Uh, so, sometimes she'll tickle me just because she knows I hate it, but I'm all, always scared I'm gonna like punch her if I do that though, because I just start. Do you want to talk about the tickle fight you and I had on the bus? Didn't someone get punched? Yeah, me. Did I punch? I punched you because you tickled so, me on the bus, right? No, no, you tickled me for you explained that fucking thing. You tickled me, and I, uh, <laughs> I, I re- <laughs> yes, I, inst- <laughs> I instinctive, instinctively, reactionarily. Oh, I, exactly. Still to this day, when I try to tell this story to other people, I'm like, I can't fucking tell you why he was trying to tickle me. Just twice. Why did I fucking <laughs> tickle you? <laughs> no, dude, you're trying to impress a girl. Watch, watch how manly I can tickle this other. I don't know, dude. You're just like, watch how manly I can tickle. Anyway, so you tickled me, and I reactionarily elbowed you. Was it you manly when I tickled you? So I elbowed you in the chin, right? And like, god damn it. <laughs> Sometimes I do wish this was a visual medium, even though it can be. I elbowed you in the chin, right? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Even though I should not have been apologizing. And then you, like, you can see my right shoulder. When Mm -hmm. I did that and I hit your chin, you go, and just fucking straight pull up and straight fucking 90 to 180 quickly. (laughs) It was just, you were so, like, put off from me accidentally elbowing you. You were just, like, two motions. One up, one across. Just fucking up. Over and I was like, oh. <laughs> I fell out off the seat into the aisle, and then I want to say you and I started swinging, but really quickly we're just like, still best friends, yeah, still best friends. Like you and I so got, I think like two or three fights in our life, and then yeah. after every time we're just rubbing our cheek, like let's go to McDonald's and get some chicken nuggies. Yeah, I mean that you know boys fight, but like that's a norm, that's a pretty normal thing. But, but what was it normal? Tickling. Was me tickling you? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't know why the fuck I would do that. So, like, if I'm understanding this story correctly, what I did was you were the you, the the window seat of the bus, and I was on the aisle seat. So yeah, so if I understand this correctly, I just for no fucking reason decided there's, to tickle you. There's probably, on, a, reason. There's probably yeah. a reason. It could not have been a good one. So I. So I I just was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking tickle Eric on the Maybe bus. I tickled you first. Maybe. And then you naturally flail because you get tickled. You catch me with your elbow and I decide, mm-hmm. well, I'm pissed. And I punch you in the face. As a, So as a di- direct result I, of my own actions, <laughs> I had no, to punch I you in the face. I don't think there's further explanation that needs to happen. That is 100% what you and I would both do in those scenarios. That's fucking wild. I don't you're know. You're not an angry person. <laughs> to the listener, you're a first-time listener, long-time caller, whatever. He's not an angry person or anything like that. But, like, back in the day, him and I both had our issues. And 
yeah, I would have reactionarily flailed and he would have reactionarily punched me in the face. Listen, I was an angsty teenage boy who apparently loved to tickle. <laughs> Come on, my friend. <laughs> anyway, so. Oh, God. So that's uh, what we've been into recently. We've been into tickling and uh, House of Leaves. Um, Sopranos, I have been told it gets better as it goes. Um, Harley Quinn ends on a fucking banger. I cannot wait for that show to come back. Invincible. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing it. Well, you and I have talked about this off air, but I do want to throw it back out there. That like that scene where the dad grabs what's the main character's name? Mark. The main character's name is Invincible. Okay, so he grabs Invincible. The dad grabs <laughs> Invincible's head. <laughs> You know why I know it's Mark is because that one famous meme or GIF where he's just like, do you not understand Mark or whatever it is? Where he's like pointing yeah. to his head. He grabs his head though and he takes him through the train and just the brutality of him killing every single passenger. So I actually really, really love that scene and not just because of how like horribly violent like and hyper violent it is, but also because it's a like a direct homage, but also sort of of a, a subversion of the what happens. It is the antithesis of Spider-Man Two. Yes, it is taking that exact same scenario, but it's placing it in a more realistic light. It's like, oh, what happens when you know an unstoppable force meets a immovable object? Okay, you but only nerd one of them. Your physics. But hold on, hold on. <laughs> but only one of them is actually an immovable object the the train can be stopped so it just fucking tears through wild so a train splits the people explode as they come into impact at that high speed it's so cool to me and it's, it's you know it's realistically what would happen with like realistic is a subjective term because these are fantasy powers but that is how i would envision that scene happening yes uh, but to me, the antithesis of it, though, is like, here's a 100% hero saving a whole train. Here is him putting himself, like, through hell. And on the other end of that is, here's a hero who is absolutely fucking failing, putting himself through hell, feeling every little bang, and meanwhile, everybody dies. It's the fact that, like, if these stories were a little bit more realistic, like you said, no, 90%. It's not like you can clear an entire building within seconds and everybody gets saved except for one girl with a teddy bear that the hero saves at the last second. Like, no. Everybody goes out in these instances. Like, And that's kind of a downer to think about. But, I mean, that just makes his journey as invincible that much more intriguing to watch. It's just like, oh, fuck, this dude can fail. This is what happens when he does not fail. It's a very, it's the same exact concept that's explored in very, like, in the majority of superhero media, but it's through a different lens. So it's like the whole, oh, with great power comes great responsibility trope, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's that, but the lens has been shifted into, uh, instead of like, oh, here's what happens when you do a good job as a hero. It's your actions have consequences. And as a super powered person, you have to be cognizant of what those actions and what their impact may be, you know, kind of like when, um, when he's rescuing the people from the falling building and he looks down and he's only got the woman's arm. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. he just, <laughs> you know, Jesus, it's the, it's the same. It's this, yeah. It's the same sort of concept there where it's like, 
you have to understand what your what the implication is for your actions in this world. And it's cool. Uh, Spider-Man's like, oh, if you do everything mostly right, this is what it looks like. And Invincible's like, here's if what happens if you mean well, <laughs> but you don't exactly I, deliver. I, I just had the thought where like they, they call it like a power fantasy where it's just like, if I had two powers, what would I do? This is very much like a the like you said a shift of that where it's not just like your projection of how things would turn out great it's more so just like the opposite end of that like pushing backwards going no no if you had these powers this is how much it would suck this is how much like shit you would face it's like yeah there are ups but there are fucking downs too yeah um you're still human good I mean, it's very much like the the boys again. It's very much doing a good job at like giving us kind of a refresher course of, hey, being the good guy doesn't always rock all the time. It's not always a rock star life. Uh, by the way, did you ever watch the Tick yet on uh, Amazon or Hulu? It's on one of those. I watched the first episode and it was like all right, but it wasn't. I don't think yeah. it was my thing. I don't think it's anything I can fully recommend to anybody. Um, but it's something to check out and then kind of see like, eh, because the people it hits with, I think it hits really well with. I do love Griffin. Newman? It's not Newman. That feels like the guy from Seinfeld. Who who are you talking about? The main character, Arthur, in the show is Griffin. Uh, he's also in Masters of the Universe, the Kevin Smith one. Um the main character's name is Griffin. I have made a strict rule on this podcast for me not to look anything up, even if it makes me look dumb. Anyways, though, he's really cool in that show. It's a good rule. He's in movie, uh, not for the listeners. <laughs> it just makes me feel more <laughs> honest. Anyways, he does the Blank Check podcast. Um, yeah, that's going to bother me for the rest of the episode. Anyways, so uh, yeah, The Tick is another one where it kind of subverts things and does a decent job at it, but The Boys definitely does it with more brutality. Uh, and the boys should be coming back soon, isn't it? Yeah, season three's coming. Jason I don't know exactly. Uh, fucking supernatural yep. kid. I Somebody at work said, uh, God, what was the spoiler they told me? I don't like that. I don't like that guy, but he's coming as Soldier Boy, I think. Yeah, have you looked up the anything about Soldier Boy? No, I'm going in blind on this stuff. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, you, we, we have a kind of, no issue spoiling things here. I wouldn't spoil anything to a guest, but I'm definitely not going to say the things I know about that character because this next season is going to be just as weird as all the rest, and I'm I'm excited for. I'm hesitantly excited for it. Um, yeah, so I'm interested. I mean, season two wasn't as strong as the first season, uh, but it was still a very good show. Stronger ending, less strong throughout. So it yes. had a higher high, but like the lows felt more low. Yeah, like there just weren't as many interesting plot threads to follow for the second season. Yeah, Um, Um, but the the main like the main plot thread was solid once it paid off. Ooh, there's a few payoffs there though. The um, the twist of who the head exploding person was, I thought that Mm -hmm. was really good. I did not see that coming. Yeah, that was cool. I guess. I didn't care that much for some reason about that one. Like every time someone's head exploded, I was like, whoa, that was fucking wild. But then I would forget 
that that happened entirely until the next head exploded. And at no point during the season did I find myself wondering who was doing that because it just kind of felt like a head would explode. Someone would go, they don't want them talking. And then it would cut to another piece of story. And I would totally forget that it ever happened. I think I, I might be a goldfish. I can't remember anything. No, you remember that lady's arm being detached and invincible, which I totally forgot about, honestly. Oh, that yeah, that's just because I got I'm a sucker for like poignant shit. I like when stuff is like sad and uh I still think heartfelt. I still think that Watchmen, the HBO show, would resonate with you, but I'm still I tried it. I did not like it. Oh really? Okay, that makes me feel better somehow. Because what I was gonna say is that just like for some reason I'm like maybe it won't because it has like some of the things that I think you would enjoy but not all of them so it's kind of a toss up. I watched three episodes and that's kind of my litmus test. If I'm gonna try a show, I'll give it three episodes. If it doesn't grab me, by yeah, the third it was one, that if it didn't grab you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you ever get around to lo- uh, Love Lovecraft Country? No, it's on my list. I'm gonna watch it at some point. If it makes you feel any better, I hyped it up to you in the first episode, watched most of the second, and then I just fell off entirely. I think it's because the second one has a snake for a penis, and it made me feel weird. <laughs> so I was like, Have you oh, ever seen? <laughs> I've had that dream. Have you ever seen? Have yeah. you ever seen the VHS movies? Of the HPA, HP no. Lovecraft? No, no, no. They're, they're called VHS, it's a, a series of movies, they're horror oh. movies. No, I know. I loosely know what you're talking about. Say maybe 10% don't remember that. One of those films, I think it's the third one, but I can't remember. But one of those films has like they're all uh, they're all movies that are comprised of short, independent stories that are tied together with a larger narrative. So like Mm -hmm. they find these VHS tapes. Each VHS tape is its own mini horror movie. And then there's a larger narrative tying all those tapes together. Typically they're interesting films. The first and second one are like fairly fun to watch. Um, The third one is pretty bad, but it also has a standout story uh, that basically involves this party where everyone reveals themselves to be giant penis monsters. (laughs) And that is entertaining, not good, but entertaining. They kind of look like just, they kind of look like xenomorphs, but more phallic. So my wife would every once in a while pop in and out of me playing Persona and was kind of down with it and was cool with watching until like the. Did she see Mara, <laughs> the penis chariot? And I tried to explain to her that like all of those are from different cultures, myths and lores and things like that. And she literally like beat for beat stopped me and said, no, what about the penises? And I said, uh, do I've got some bad Googling for you. Those are also based off some myth that I purposely did not remember or retain, but 100%, yeah. even the wagon part. Yeah. They're all like fertility related and stuff. Yeah. So persona is a good game. Persona Royal, not Royale, which I always say in every fucking episode, it is, yep, every, it's every instance of my life, I call it Royale and I apologize for that. Um, we are going to very quickly take a word from our sponsors and we will be right back. So hold on to that thought. So with this show, we really don't have any 
sponsors. I uh, thought about doing the anchor bait of taking sponsors and doing plugs and things like that. Uh, not against that or people that do that. It's just it felt like better overall for myself if I just kept true, straight to the point. However, Anchor does have a feature where people can donate, uh, sponsor with listenership, things like that. So actual listeners can. Uh, so what I decided to do with that route is uh, be charitable. Um, any proceeds or money that I make from this, so to speak, from the listeners will go directly towards charities throughout the year. And off air, Nick and I actually arrived to a really good point. They're not going to go to Capital C Charities, um, which I don't think I've brought any of those up yet. I don't know if Extra Life, um, as in the Jeff Cork episode, is considered a big C charity or not. Uh, but we're not going to do anything that isn't – we're not going to do the shitty charities. I have faith in Extra Life. I like it a lot. Um, that is what Nick and I have decided – or Nick, rather – um, has decided with this episode is if you would like to donate towards the episode, 100% of that will go towards Extra Life. Um, and just, I think there should be a way to notate in it. Um, if not, just have good confidence that your money's going to go to a good place. Um, it's not going to go to, again, these big name charities where you really don't fully know where they go towards. I'd rather them go to charity drives that uh, streamers do, um, MinMax uh, and Game Informer throughout the year do stuff. Or go towards uh, those good causes or any good causes that you can email us about. If there's any charity that you listen or know about that you want us to look at, um, that's calm down nerd podcast at gmail.com. Um, and the reason we're called calm down nerd is because we here like to celebrate nerds and nerdum. And with that, the second question I ask every first time guest, Nicholas, what is your definition of a nerd? My definition of a nerd, uh, a delicious sour candy. <laughs> it took so long and it finally happened. You know, I have literal like divots in my teeth from eating those. Like there's like very pinpoint cavity marks where if you put a nerd in it, it would fit perfectly. That's wild. So you have a nerd cavity. <laughs> so, um, we uh, like to have people on to passionately talk about a uh, different subjects, okay? And go on rants and tangents and get very impassioned. And imbrued is imbrued a word? Feels like a word. You, listen, you stupid little shit. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Me, I'm dumb. Okay. Do you realize about that? To say that's rude. How, how, do you, no, it is rude. He, I'm talking to myself. I'm pissed. I'm so pissed. I'm a dumb <laughs> fuck. Do you realize how upset I got two nights ago when I kept dying over and over? I was like, fuck, I keep using all my heels. I have no heels left, and I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to like backtrace this entire fucking dungeon and go out and do some side quests. I have a, yeah. sa I have a save file. All I have to do is fucking save scum. All I have to do is exit the game and come back in and beat that fucking boss that I was beating my head up against the wall against, and I know what to do now with all my healing potions back. Yeah, that'll work. Anyway, tell us about how you beat Nier Automata. You 100%ed it, and then I was right that it's a fucking Nicholas-ass brassing game. Yeah, so I just played Nier, and uh, I was <laughs> on... Automata. I, I was on... Yeah, Nier... Yeah, Nier Automata. Uh, I was on... I'm only, like, almost five years late to it. 
So that's cool. Yes. Now God bless. Well, so it's one of those things, man. Like when this came out, everybody was fucking talking about this game. Like all the gaming publications were talking about it, but you'll agree. Nobody explained it. it well. Yeah. Cause basically what I saw was that it was made by platinum games. It was produced by, uh, like it was published by square Enix and everyone was like, this is fucking great. And I was like, yeah, but that's what everyone says about every platinum game. And it's like, if I'm going to buy a platinum game, I kind of know what I'm getting. Generally speaking, I'm not getting uh, the greatest experience in the world. I'm usually getting a fairly, like a, a tight action, like character action game. What, what else have Platinum speaking, Games like, done? What I would get. So Platinum Games, they did uh, recent, like more recently, they did the Astral Chain game for Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. which was which was pretty good. Um, that was cool. Astro, or uh, they also have done Bayonetta, Metal, yeah, and they've done Metal Gear Revengeance, <laughs> which is oh, one of the gross. one of the one of the worst named games I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, so like they like to pretend they're like a triple A studio, but I actually think they're kind of a like a double A studio. Uh, <laughs> they put out games that are pretty fucking solid, but I don't know if they're like up there. But this game is kind of like a very unique thing from them because this is a game that there's a lot of passion put into it. I actually think mechanically it's one of their weaker titles. But the yeah, you and I had a, a little bit of uh, contention on it. Uh, mechanic wise, you and I had a little bit of contention with that because I feel like it controls on the better scale of the games that i played although you just came off god of war when you played this whereas i'm coming off of playing a lot of turn-based stuff and the first devil may cry yeah so, so if, yeah i've played a lot of action games i've played a lot of action rpgs and i've played a lot of like regular rpgs and this game sits like firmly in the middle of all of those fucking things like it can't decide on whether or not it's a stat based RPG or whether or not it's a, uh, an action like hack and slash type game or uh, like, it just doesn't seem to know. And sometimes it doesn't even know if it's a shooter. <laughs> it's like a, it does Are, a little bit of everything. I, uh, to go back at like, not just a shooter, but like an arcade style Galaga shooter. Yeah. Like an old school, like shmup, like a shoot 'em up. It's uh, it's very strange how it marries all these different like gameplay styles, but there is just an attention to detail in the world building and the storytelling that existed in this game that really set it apart from everything else. I fucking love this game, man. You 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 beat it in its uh, entirety or th- the three runs needed, which is two B nine S A two. Hmm. Would you say, because my perspective of it with the world building is it's it's not world building. It's here's a world that feels lived in. I don't have all the pieces, but it feels enough where I don't feel like I need to know everything. I feel like it's, hey, here's something alien, foreign, dropped into it. It makes enough sense that, again, the world feels lived in. 
World building to me is always just like, hey, here's the 42nd Street name of this city and this one place that the characters will never get to. We're just like overtly detailed. This did not feel overtly detailed to me. It felt just detailed enough where I didn't have questions and I could like fill in those gaps myself. It was a lot of show, don't tell. Yeah, it was a lot of show, don't tell. And and I think maybe that our definitions might differ a little bit when it comes to what we would consider world building. Because mm-hmm. when I think of that concept, I really just think about whether the world is believable. If there mm-hmm. are enough uh, consistencies in the lore and the and if the scenery and the setting reflects yeah. the lore that's being told to you through the characters then I consider that like a fleshed out world, even if it's a small piece of what could conceivably be a larger world. Yeah. So this was incredibly well done and it takes every single like story trope that I fucking love in a game or in an RPG and it transcends all of them and moves into like different ones, never misses a beat. And it feels great the whole time. Like the game opens with a such a fucking cliche. It opens with like a kill your gods uh, line. You got to be the main character coming in mm-hmm. saying, you know, uh, we're stuck in an endless cycle of life and death. Uh, I wonder if I'll ever get to meet the God that did this to us and then kill them. And I was like, well, I'm always up for killing your gods. This is my type of game. Let's fucking go. And I, then uh, it jumps right into a shoot 'em up section, which I was not expecting. It goes to a, a shoot 'em up, which I'd agree. And then um, I don't know exactly what you call this, but like a twin sticks shooter, um, which I'm not as good at, uh, which is mm-hmm. like that kind of flat mat section of it because then it's like at first it's like top down very galaga and then it kind of goes in that twin sticks like section where it moves moves uh the camera moves with your character Mm -hmm. um at at a certain point very early on i was just like holy fuck i just felt like i encountered gundam final fantasy 7 remake rimako midgar and uh fucking transformers destructicon fucking big boss and it was just so many of those like mech anime feelings thrown out really quickly. After that first part, mm-hmm. though, would you agree that kind of goes into like a desolate, not desolation, but just like a, it's clearly a post apocalyptic game. That's the whole tagline. But something about it just goes into like, hey, here's some like in your face shit. And then it immediately feels more barren, but not in a bad way. Right. It starts off with a it starts off with a bang. Like it's just there's so much being thrown at you at once. You're uh what it, what is that term called? Is it media and res where you're uh thrown into something in the middle of the story basically and uh yeah. you don't kind of get the rest of the pieces till later. That's basically what it does. Is it just tosses you in. You're on a mission, you're doing this stuff, you don't fucking know why, you don't know what's going on, but there's yeah. cool things happening, stuff's exploding, guns are shooting. And you're like, uh, and then, you know, your, uh, your internet, like deviant art bait made <laughs> with the, with, with the, the blindfold hops oh, out man. and you're just like, oh, cool. Like cool characters. So you're just kind of like, all right, everything is just coming together. 
and then after this like really large series like chain of set pieces that are actually quite a spectacle it gets quiet like you reach the city and you can ride a moose it's just open you can you can ride a moose yeah but so you're just kind of like thrown into this area and you're just kind of like what's going on here you know what is this place And what's fascinating about this is they use this backdrop as a way to explore so many complex themes while also creating a really engaging game around it. It's awesome. To to step back, you and I discussed um, open worlds that feel empty and then open worlds that like... So this game didn't have, like, so you, you think a lot of open worlds that ha- don't feel empty. You think a lot of NPCs, like Witcher 3, where it's just like fetch quest after fetch quest after fetch quest. And this game, it wasn't that. There's not too many NPCs littering the place. But what made it feel not empty to me, even with the uh, with not having NPCs, was, hey, I want to go there. And I could go there. The traversal in this game, like I know you said you weren't a fan of mechanics, but like you and I were in the same time frame of the game when we started playing. And you said that you hadn't reached the ground yet. You were on the rooftops the entire time. Meanwhile, I, I yeah. could not figure out how I could get back to the rooftops because there's so many like places to explore that are easily able to be explored. And again, again, it is empty, but it doesn't feel empty. I don't know if that's a musical aspect, a uh, palette aspect as far as the cinematography goes, but something about it just doesn't feel as empty as it actually is. I think it's a combination of all those things because it it looks, it feels empty in the sense that it doesn't feel like there's other people around. Like. Mm-hmm. The NPCs are sparsely like populated in the game. By the way, one's the called world... Jackass, and that keeps making me laugh. Yeah, there is an NPC called Jackass. But it's like the fact that it feels like there shouldn't be people there. You know? That's the big difference. Is it feels it's empty, but it feels like it's because it's supposed to be empty. Mm-hmm. Whereas oh, there's a lot of open world games where it feels empty because they gave you a huge world and ran out of time to put shit in it and not to get too heady but it very much makes you want to explore the emptiness to see if there's anything there yeah because you never know what you're gonna find like you know that there's life but you don't know exactly where um and the backdrop that they give you under which you're you're doing all this exploring and you're doing all these, this questing is really interesting because you're essentially working as a sort of uh, hitman for like hire an emissary. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of like a, a mercenary for humans because they apparently have lost the planet to an attack by aliens <laughs> who put machines on, who Jeez. put machines on the planet as Jesus, they're like, please try primary to tell me, this, tell me this plot from beginning to end with a straight face. I dare you. I dude, I totally fucking could. I absolutely adore this plot. I think it's brilliant. It it, it is, but there's many like oh, Jesus. Well, all right, let me tell you spoilers, people. We are about to spoil this game. I am finished with it. I'm perfectly okay with these fucking spoilers. So let me tell you what I know so far, and maybe we can pick up from there. So I know that thousands of years ago, aliens came 
created robots to destroy all humans. But yes. the aliens have not been around for a very long time. The robots have. The robots have taken on their own artificial intelligence, have separated from the pact. Some robots are evil. Some are misguided. How does the game end? Okay, no. You know what? I'm going to skip to the very fucking end. What does the way to the world literal mean? So that is a <laughs> hard question to answer. The uh, the game essentially on the surface is a war against robots and aliens. Mm-hmm. It's saying like, hey, you're coming to this planet to liberate it from the weapons that the aliens used to drive the, the humans into space. So what you are doing is you show up and you kill all these robots. And like you said, you find that they start some of them have more developed personalities. They show signs of intelligence, emotion, things that you typically would only find in people. But your purpose is to wipe out the robots and secure the planet for humans to come back home. So that's what you do ruthlessly. Like just across the board, you just kill a bunch of robots. Even ones with lipstick. Yeah, even ones with lipstick. You do encounter like a village of sentient uh, robots that have seemed to... Interjection. Pascal. Go to Spotify. Look up Pascal. Song is a fucking banger. Him and I immediately knew that Pascal is... God, I hope it hits both of our Spotify top 100s. It probably won't. But it is both haunting. Okay, so it's literally Pascal's theme in Spotify. And it has these children singing, which makes you feel optimistic. But somehow or another, the underlining tone is fucking haunting. Yeah. I mean, so anyways, the music's incredible. Pascal. Well, Pascal's a character. <laughs> uh, and it and, pa- and Pascal's theme is also the name of a song from the game. And that's and that's what I think Eric is ranting about. <laughs> but it's uh it is the music's absolutely incredible the composer i think his name is keiichi okabe i think um I but he's he goes phenomenal by, uh, yeah yeah he's phenomenal the music is an absolute delight to listen to it's all very fitting for the the universe that's crafted but the game essentially is a story about finding meaning like that's I would say that's the overarching uh, theme of the game. The core theme is where you find your meaning and where you derive it from, like in your life. So your characters go ahead. Well, let's start with to be, where did to be find meaning or did not find meaning? Cause that's the first playthrough you finish. So how does yeah. hers end? So the main character to be or the first character her meaning comes from like there's a lot of talk of like you know gods and stuff like that as well and i would say her meaning comes from her god which is essentially like humans it's she works for this organization that the humans employ to liberate the planet from the machines so the is humans it yorha? Come home. yorha so to be's uh entire purpose in her life is to uh, do what the humans want and, you know, rescue humanity from the fate of losing planet Earth and bringing them back. So that's the entire premise for the first playthrough of the game from 2B's perspective. 
the second character is uh, is a character called 9S. He's a, an information android who's designed to basically just absorb as much information about everything as possible. Yeah, if two act as a recon the unit, how how is the muscle or the warrior? Then 9S is the ranger or the cleric. Yeah, yeah. Two B is the bronze, and nine S is the brains of the operation. And uh, so, when you finish the game, two B, you know, this is a spoiler cast, so I guess it's okay. But two B kills nine S, and then what? Holy the game shit! Okay, no. <laughs> Jesus. All right, look, I mm, side story. It's fine. So <laughs> I stand by this principle. Game of Thrones, I would never have finished season one if somebody didn't tell me Sean Bean loses his fucking head, and that sounded cool to me. And then yeah. I lost interest. Season four, I would not have started watching again if somebody didn't spoil Red Wedding for me. That was the first point where I realized in my life that like sometimes things being spoiled for me makes me want to go back into it and not lose interest. Maybe my brain works differently in that aspect. Once something's spoiled for me, it doesn't necessarily turn me away from it. It makes me go, how did we reach that point? So him just saying that, me not finishing my first playthrough, how the fuck do we kill nine ass, dude? That's my bro. That's my little boy boy. Continue. Are we like are we good? You did say this is a spoiler cast. I don't want to oh, like start no, dropping like, bombs. I just I you just okay. fucking uh I was about to make a bad joke <laughs> there. Drop those bombs though. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, two B kills nine ass, and then the credits roll, and you're like, Well that fucking sucks. Like, what a bummer ending. And then how do and you then the play game, through number two? Yeah, and then the game says, Haha, just kidding, try it again. Play the game again. And you're like, <laughs> all right, I'll do it. Yes, so I you guess. do it, and this and this time, you're playing the whole game again through the eyes of 9S. And 9S has a whole different element, because instead of just hacking every robot to pieces that you encounter... He's more methodical. He hacks into him and can kind of see what they, you know, uh, not hack and slash, thinking. hack and hack. Yep, hacking into him and actually getting an idea of like what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a information android, you also get access to a lot of information on the organizational side of things, like Yorha, that you wouldn't normally get access to as two B. So, yep. So it paints a whole new picture. Um, what's really interesting about this though, is you also get new angles from all of the antagonists that you see throughout the game as well. There's the machines that exhibit sentient like thought, Mm -hmm. but then there's also these humanoid machines that seem to Adam and Eve that have, uh, they have sort of risen up as like an evolved version of the machines and they even look like humans. Oh, dude, um, I just remembered when I... Okay, so the first playthrough... Tell tell me your reaction to this scene. You know, like, do you, what you remember from this first scene. So first playthrough, you're fighting... I believe the first one was Adam. Okay, Adam came to be because you start going into this, like... Uh, this basically, think about, like, New York that's sinking into the sand. And you find this one building where there's thousands of robots doing unspeakable acts and literally i had to i remember i had to point out to you that two robots were fucking and you didn't catch it yeah then, i didn't get it that's why it, it is kind of funny it's a bunch <laughs> of robots doing what they think sex is and it's very funny 
They, 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 they're doing what they think everyday human life is because you can see them doing really mundane tasks. And I don't know, some unsatisfied people out there probably think sex is mundane task. But, and then all these robots come together, make a beehive, and then out of that beehive comes a little baby boy, Adam, right? Isn't that what fucking happened? He's not like a baby boy, though. He's a fully grown baby man. Yes, he is. But he drops out <laughs> like a very, like, ah, oh, dude, it's yeah, so he, weird. It's like, it's kind of like a cocoon. He's kind of like birthed from like this cocoon. And he's like, very wannabe Sephiroth. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Sephiroth type character. And like, you kill him and he bleeds, which is interesting. Because they um, think it's a robot and they're like, robots don't bleed red, they bleed yeah, oil. Yeah, so that's. That's fucking weird, and then he, like, dies, but then he doesn't die, and another guy crawls out of his stomach, and you're just kind of like, what in the fucking Hideo Kojima is this bullshit? You're like, what's happening? All right, and, so uh, 9S gives you insight into some of those characters, like Adam and Eve. Yes. So there's actually a lot of really interesting things because there's parallels between 9S and 2B and like the machines that you're going against as well. So like 9S very quickly exhibits like feelings of attachment to like his handler in Yorha. Um, he exhibits like feelings for 2B, which as machines themselves, as androids, they really shouldn't. Uh especially because 2B has been very, like, cold and distant the whole time. And speaking of whole time, so in the beginning of the game, 9S keeps calling her ma'am, right? Yeah. And then she's yeah. just like, no, just call me 2B. And, like, that whole, like, playthrough dialogue just feels, like, really, like, you feel bad for 9S. Like, oh, dude, it's my boy boy. Leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> and that only gets worse through his game because he's constantly, like, trying to make like small talk with his operator and she's always just like fuck off like she just doesn't (laughs) want to talk to him and he and he's just like oh he's so sad but it's uh so his story is kind of exploring those same things but you're getting this new perspective and now there's emotion attached to it and you're starting to realize that the machines who have developed emotion really aren't so different from the androids that you're playing as that have developed emotion, you know? Mm-hmm. So that creates this really upsetting playthrough where you're doing the same atrocities. You're just fucking murking all these machines again, <laughs> but now you're doing it with the lens that they're all right. <laughs> like they're, they're kind of like, they're basically <laughs> the same as you. I think it's the and, desert, uh, which is like the desert is like the second main area you go to. Where you start to get a sense that, like, uh, God, what is it? Shadow of the Colossus. We, you and I talked about this when we first started playing it. Shadow of the Colossus. And then there's that, I don't know what's from, that gif that goes through where the one character's like, wait, are we the baddies? As yeah. the robots come out to you and there's like, help me, help, help. They start saying all these really human things. And you're just like, I'm still going to fucking kill you. But it's weird that you said that. And there's also this really interesting dynamic of the fact that you are there fighting a war to secure the planet for the humans who have sent you there to do it. And these machines are fighting a war for the planet for the aliens (laughs) that sent them there to do it. 
And it's kind of like, why is your cause any more important than theirs? Right? So that's kind of a weird concept. And you quickly find out in, even in the first playthrough, you quickly find out uh, deep underground, you go into an alien mothership and all the aliens are dead. So these machines are up here still fighting this war, still developing, but they're doing it in the absence of what I guess I would call like their God, which was the aliens. So it's so fucking bizarre. So uh, I want you to breach me into A2's or yeah, A2's playthrough. But first the introduction of uh, hi, Wilson. That's uh, Nick's cat. If it's picking up on the mic, Wilson's an adorable little creature. Um, A2 is introduced when you have to go through this uh, fortress, basically dungeon, and you are looking for the king of the uh, small R robots. And when you get to it, you see this baby robot in a carriage and your characters are just like, wait, that's the king. And then out of nowhere is fucking... Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. I need to talk about this for a second before you explain what what happens. Because there is another aspect to this that I guess you haven't seen yet that is fucking bananas. So there's uh, this forest kingdom that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. There's these robots that are always fighting you, talking about how they have to protect the king. And like mm-hmm. you said, you find out that the king is ultimately a baby robot, which is laying in a bassinet, bassinet in the yeah. throne room. What's fucking wild about this is on A2's playthrough, when you are uh, going through the Wait, kingdom... Don't, don't say get... what A2 does, though. No, not sorry, A2, 9S. Okay. Uh, so when you're going through 9S's playthrough, he gets access to the memories, the logs of what this kingdom was like before you got there. And their king is killed. Like a guy separates himself from like the, uh, the main army of the, the alien robot army. And he's like, I want, I don't want to fight anymore. I want to live separate. So we're going to create a kingdom because I've read about kingdoms. And that's like a family. A kingdom is just a family with a lot of people. And they're all like, this sounds great. I want a family. So they make this thing. Then the king dies. And the people don't know what to do. Sorry, not even the people, the robots don't know what to do without a king anymore because he created this whole kingdom, right? So what they do is they take all these parts and they build a new king out of them. But he's a baby. And for centuries, basically, their king is a baby. And they get confused because they've been raising this baby just like humans raise babies, but the baby isn't getting any bigger. So, oh my God. They, so they're, they don't understand the concept of actual growth. So they're sitting there like saying, this is our king, but he won't grow. We don't know what to do. And then anyway, then it shows, yeah, then you get to the throne room and you see the king as a baby in a bassinet. And what happens? So your first playthrough, which I've gotten mostly through, excuse me, um, uh, Miss 2B and 9S walk into the throne room and see the baby in the bassinet, and they get really thrown off. Um, 
and they get really confused when Sephiroth drops out of nowhere and puts a knife through Aerith. And by that, I mean fucking 2A, or I'm sorry, A2 drops out of nowhere and puts a fucking longsword through this little baby child and just marks it straight on that balcony, that little baby balcony. And I have no words. That was one point where I literally put my controller down. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Because you're thrown off and there's a swerve that the baby's a baby. The king baby's a baby. The king's a baby. And then you're just like, that's weird. And then it's dead. You have a little bit of sympathy that the person you're looking for is a baby. You're just like, oh, sweet little creature. Dead. But like not dead because it's a robot. And then it's murderer just runs away. So that brings us to A2's playthrough, which is so, technically epilogue slash overlap. Yeah, well, before we can get into that, like, we do need to talk a little bit more about, like, what happens before that. King like, Baby? So there's, um, yeah, not just, like, King Baby, but leading up into, like, A2's playthrough. So A2 is this third android that is on the planet. And she is wanted as a deserter from Yorha. She claims that she knows something that you don't and you're being used. Like that's kind of like the whole thing. And then you don't see her again for the entire game uh, from like 2B's perspective or A2's perspective until literally the very end. But what uh so ultimately what happens is in a2's playthrough when you get to the same conclusion that you reach on 2b's playthrough you do so with a larger understanding of the story as a whole uh because you also learn that the humans that have sent you to earth to liberate the planet are dead and have been dead for a very 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 long time just like the aliens have been dead just like the aliens have been dead. So oh you, again, are no different from the machines that are just functioning on this planet. You're fighting sort of a godless war as well. The only difference is your organization is still feeding you information as if the humans are alive because they feel that uh, if you don't have something to fight for, you have no meaning in your life. And the, they think that the androids still need meaning. So they keep the hope alive that they're fighting for something. So again, that brings us to like these really heavy themes of like meaning in life. What do you fight for? Do you need a God to fight for? You know, can you exist without a meaning prescribed to you to someone else? So the game shifts that all the time as well. You go from one objective to another and at, just as you think you figure out what you're supposed to do and who you're supposed to do it for, that gets ripped away from you. And you have to figure it out all over again from a new perspective with the information that's given to you. It's pretty fucking cool, man. So you wanted to talk about A, A2? No, I mean, it's, it's, I, Jesus, man, that's heady. Like, does that A2's playthrough? Like, is... Figuring out that there is no God. So A2 is kind of that. A2 is, so if 2B is fighting for a God, um, you know, that she believes in, and 9S is uncovering that there is no God, and he is essentially becoming 
like a nihilist. He's becoming like, there's no meaning in everything. Everything is chaos and you just do what you want to do. No, sir. Nihilism Uh, is not practical. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of a nihilist myself. So the, uh, but then you have a two who has figured out a long time ago that there is no meaning. And she has figured out how to ascribe meaning to herself. So like she's Mm. living, you know, you know, she's been living on her own and doing what she believes is right. But ultimately, uh, she has to kill to be at the beginning of or at the end of nine S's playthrough. So she kills to be because she's corrupted with a virus and to be gives her her memories. So now a two is wrestling with a new concept. She's wrestling with living a life with meaning of her own accord while now also living a life that has meaning under the new perspective that 2B has given her with those memories. So A2's on a mission to kill basically every machine. That's what she wants to do. But now she's conflicted because she knows what what 2B knows. And 9S is on a mission to kill every machine because he's mad that that 2B is dead. It's fucking bananas. So... As a religious person, I always get upset when anybody, whether anecdotally or not, say that everything happens for a reason. No, I don't think that's true at all. I think we have to find the reason in things, which has always been such a simple philosophy to me, but something I think that gets missed with a lot of people's viewpoint or lens through life. Is that things are shitty and you can either just accept things are shitty or you can try to look for your own meaning. Is that what A2 kind of does or? Yeah. So this game explores all of that, not even just through its central characters, but like, I think you've seen this part already, but there's a whole section of the game where you go through this factory that's full of a cult robots Mm -hmm. that have split off from their main group and are now worshiping this other robot and this god yeah they they i haven't seen what they're worshiping yet i just know that they're worshiping something that's very uh, cryptic yeah so they're just another representation they're basically talking about well you find meaning in religion we all agree on what meaning is and then we do it ourselves you know as a group mm-hmm. So there's like so many different concepts about how you find meaning in your life and they show them all the time. Oh, you know what's good about that though? Like if you get into maybe even narrowing in too much, like a fucking, uh, God damn it. Should we talk about the blue box conspiracy before we're done with this episode? Anyways, so if you think can, about it- Yeah, from we can talk aspect, about that at some point. You know, if you think about it from an aspect of like religion blinding people and the factory is blinding people, the worst fucking issue I had trying to get through that dungeon was when the, um, so you get to the first part, which this can even be broken down further and further piece by piece. Okay. So there's a first part of it where it has the normal, um, like even in Crash Bandicoot, the thing that in Super Mario Bros. 3, the thing that slams down and if you don't run through it in time, it kills you. It's got like a press, like a parts press that comes down. Yeah. So you have the, the brake press that comes down. And then you can uh, keep running through it, but at the same time, you have things coming at you and detonating. Okay? Good. Mm-hmm. Hard to get through. 
The second part of that, though, which I think is after you get through more of the depths of the religious zealots, that those brake presses are uh, they're harder to see due to uh, smog and fog that comes up. So there's all this smoke mm. obscuring your view. So as you try to go through it, and that's what fucking the first brake presses I got through very easily. I just fucking dashed when I needed to dash, pause when I needed to pause, jump when I needed to jump, fine. But the second one, it was harder to get through due to that, like, fucking fog. And I couldn't tell when the brake presses were coming down versus going up. And if you want to look at it from a very heady perspective, like, sometimes religion does that to you where it just clouds your view entirely because you're just so cemented in what things are supposed to mean, you forget to look at what's actually there. So if they're, if the fucking... Developers of that game put the smoke in there after you really meet the cult members. Due to that analogy that I just tied to it, raw fucking L. So, I mean, that certainly could be. And I don't even necessarily think that the thought they're trying to convey there is that religion, like, blinds you. I think they're just trying to show how everyone is just looking for somewhere to belong, like, looking for their meaning. Because you have 2B that finds meaning in fighting for someone else. You have 9S who finds meaning in fighting for himself. You have Pascal who found meaning in family and community. Mm-hmm. You, fi- you have, uh, you have the, the cult who finds meaning in religion and worship. And it's like, they're all people that just have split off of the original group because they felt like it wasn't the right path and they'd looked for something that suited them. And it's really interesting how that all you know, um, comes together. I'm glad you explained Pascal the way that you did because it makes me feel better about legit that I thought that I had. So Pascal follows you through the end of that factory run that I was talking about, which, as you told me, I'm actually close to the end of the first playthrough. But Pascal follows you through that factory. And there's so many – so like you said community, okay? Just to, just to reiterate, you said that Pascal very much finds sense of community. community. Yeah, Pascal comes with you, but unlike 9S who follows you earlier, 9S will actually do damage to enemies. 9S will actually help you out in different ways. Pascal just fucking floats next to you. And there's a split second moment. Yeah. There's a split second moment that I had where I was like, God damn it, Pascal, do something. And then even in my own head, narrating to myself, I said, no, it's fine. I'm just glad that you're here. Because within the game, 9S gets ripped from you. And then through narrative, you end up with Pascal going through this factory. So I legitimately had this feeling of just like, God damn it, Pascal, do something. And then went to the second thought of just like, I'm just glad you're here, Pascal. So, I mean, that's just the full thread of fucking narrative. Yeah. And that's exactly, I think, like what they what they want you to feel. You know, they want you to understand that that's Pascal's like M.O. He's the one who believes that ultimately at their core, everyone is good. Like he's happy to talk to you and be like, you know, kill me if you want to, but I don't, we don't mean any harm. We're peaceful. And he thinks that, you know, Oh, the robots that aren't peaceful are just ones that are still plugged into, you know, the, the original mainframe, basically like the orders that the aliens gave them. And he doesn't even think they're bad. He just thinks that they're, you know, they haven't come to their senses yet. He thinks everyone's good at, at heart. Yeah, And uh, so Pascal is a fascinating character, but I don't want to tell you how that factory sequence ends 
because it's one of the most heartbreaking moments in the game. It's incredible. You just told me 9S died, so that literally dropped like, god damn. Yeah. You're, you're saying it's more than that, though? Uh, fuck yeah, man. The way that Pascal's arc ends is incredible. And it oh, comes, it has to do with comes, Pascal? Oh, don't say anymore. It, okay, it's a spoiler podcast. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, yeah, I I'm not, not going to say it. I'm going to let you experience that moment on your own. It's pretty incredible. Um, but it completes his arc in a very meaningful way. And it his narrative about finding meaning in community and people being good, like it comes full circle and it's addressed in a in a complete way if not like a very tragic way so when you we'll have a t- another discussion when you see that but it's pretty wild so right. uh, yeah so ultimately like you get into the the end of the game and it's about 9s uh like doggedly pursuing the machines that he believes are the cause of all of his problems everything's been taken from him there's no meaning in everything uh, so he's after A2 because he saw her kill 2B. He's after all the other machines because fuck the machines. They'd caused all this. So this is the way and... I differentiated it. All the bad guys on the planet are lowercase r robots. And all of the people in your are capital A androids. So yep. does 9S go after the lowercase r robots or does he go after Yorha and everything on Earth? So at this point, there is no Yorha. Um, what was the, the so, head lady? Is it? It's some weird name where it's like Charm or something like that. Yeah. So that's also important for 9S because once 9S finds out that there are no humans left and that Yorha is just a front to basically give people false hope, uh, Yorha also falls to an attack from the machines that infects them all with a basically a self-destructive virus. So they all are gone. He has no Yorha. He has no 2B. He has no humans. Uh. He has nothing. So, and so all he has is his hatred for a two and his hatred for machines. That's all he has. So you basically alternate between a two trying to come to terms with, uh, 2B's memories and reconciling those with her own values um, and exploring while also trying to maybe bring 9S back from the brink of insanity where he is, where he's felt like there is nothing left for him. Uh, and then you also play as 9S where you pursue uh, the ultimate destruction of all machines and A2. It's a pretty wild fucking ride. Um where they, you know, it brings them all, it brings them to the same place in the end, you know, as it naturally would. So, do you think that, uh, not, not do you think, can you tell me, do all three playthroughs, do they end in, uh, so you and I had the discussion with Fire Emblem Three Houses where it kind of feels like each playthrough is a version of its own story. Um, whereas my takeaway was that Three Houses, Fire Emblem Three Houses is you can reconcile each version of those playthroughs. So with Near Automata, can you reconcile each playthrough as being a chronological, consistent canon? Or does it feel like it ends with different uh, possible endings? 
these are not separate narratives uh, where they follow the same routes, but end up at different endings. Mm-hmm. This, these, each ending is almost like finishing a chapter of a book, then going back and reading the same chapter again with the knowledge that you had. Uh, you aren't seeing anything different play out, but it feels very different because of the context under which it's painted. So it'd be like um, reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and then reading Hermione Granger and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. After already knowing how, now, how, honestly, yeah, after knowing how <laughs> Harry Potter uh, viewed everything, you would now get this new perspective on the same events. Uh, the only exception being there is a fuck. That'd uh, be such a better book. I want to read Hermione <laughs> Green. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to get stuck on that for a minute. Go, go on. It's uh, ultimately you get the opportunity to see how the story would play out. You know, when nine, uh, nine S and a two do finally meet each other and they have, you know, their air, irre- their irreconcilable differences about their place in the world and what matters. And uh, you get to choose um, who you agree with, basically. So you have A2 versus 9S, and you can be on either side of that. So, But because... Go ahead. But because? But because it's a video game, and it can tell a story in a, in a way that a book can't tell a story, and a movie can't tell a story... And a comic uh, book cannot gives, tell a story. And a comic book cannot tell a story. It gives you this really interesting way to reconcile these differences. So what the game wants you to do is to experience how this story unfolds and ends through 9S's eyes. Then it wants you to go back and experience how the story unfolds and ends through A2's eyes. And then it wants you to go through and experience how it ends through the eyes of their pods. What? You know those little guns that come with you and talk to you the whole time? Yeah. Is there a fourth playthrough? So, no. It, there's just a there's just a last section. So the you know how the pods are always giving you advice throughout the game, like pod oh, you should do this. Oh yeah, yeah that one like fucking should, pod told me I should forget about it, not. No, look, okay, in the first playthrough, there's a section where you're fighting a giant uh, Goliath machine, is what they call it. It's basically a boss fight. And uh, 9S says that he's got to go do something real fast. And then this fucking pod, and I was very confused when it first happened, but this fucking pod is just like, hey, you should turn 9S in for dissertation. It's like, what? No. What? Yeah. So what's really interesting is the pods like this is a more subtle thread that's weaved throughout the story because they're really just assistance to the androids. Mm-hmm. But throughout the story, the pods are constantly giving advice. Oh, like you should do maintenance. You should rest. You should do this. You should turn in this machine for, you know, abandoning their duty, all this other stuff. But what you kind of pick up on is their suggestions start to become less, uh, less like protocol and more like they're concerned for their uh, Android safety. Like, Oh, you know, this has been dangerous. You should take some time away and, and heal and rest. And it's because throughout the course of this, the pods have also 
come to realize that they're experiencing what they think might be emotions. They feel attached to their handlers, their, their androids. So essentially the pods start talking behind the androids back and are saying like, I think I'm feeling emotions. And the other pod is like, I don't think you are. I think you're feeling what you think emotions are. And he's like, well, if I think I know what emotions are, then doesn't that mean I might be having emotions? And Oh my God, I they feel have so to, emotional. So they have to explore what it's like to essentially become sentient as well. And now you have these pods that are sad that 2B is dead, that 9S is dead, that A2 is dead. And what are they going to do? God, it's machines all the way down. Yeah, it's machines all the way down, each one finding meaning in something. The pods found their meaning in someone else, like in love for their androids. And uh, and then, yeah, so and then there's finally like another like ending that I won't get into, but it's uh, it's pretty fucking fascinating because then it explores the meaning that you find in being a human and a gamer. Do you not want to get into it due to spoilers or due to time? Well, I mean, we can, we can talk about it, I guess. Uh, Essentially the pods decide that they want to rebuild the androids that are dead. They want to save them uh, from this cycle of life and death that they've been stuck in. And the pods now have the sentience to do it. The problem is their programming doesn't allow them to do that. So what do they want to do? They want to override their programming. And they ask for your help, essentially, as the player to hack their systems and override their programming and allow them to change like their function. The issue with it is the system that you have to hack is essentially impossible to hack. It's the credits of the game, but the credits are uh, shooting at you like the things in the hacking mini games. Yeah, and, which uh, is a portion of uh, more so 9S's yeah. stuff. Yep. So it's bullet hell segments, uh, but it's the most bullety, most hellish bullet hell that you can imagine. And it gets to a point where it becomes too difficult uh, for you to actually like beat it. And it'll keep asking you if you want to give up. And you're like, no, I don't want to give up. I'll keep trying. And But you start to realize that you just can't fucking do it. And every time you die, it's asking you, are you like, sure you want to do this? Because I don't think you can. Like, this is a system that isn't made to be broken. Uh, and you're <laughs> like, no, I, you're like, I think I want to. And then you start to see on the game over screens where it's asking if you want to continue. You start to see these messages pop up that are like, hey, you've come this far. Don't give up now. Or you'll see another message and it says, hey, I know you feel weak, but try harder, you fucking asshole. Or you'll see a message that's like, it's it's like, believe in yourself. You did it to get this far. Like all these sort of motivational, somewhat demotivational images start popping did it, up. Did it poke at you like the Final Fantasy VII Rimako pull-up section where the fucking champion guy, and I can't remember his name, is just like, oh yeah, you can't flex as hard as I can. You're like, Come on, fucking Tifa. We got this. Some of them say that. Some of them <laughs> say that. 
And then after and after you continue to try and fail because you just can't beat this bullet hell section. And I'm good at bullet hell games. I was like, I was determined to fucking do this. And uh, after several times, it's like, hey, you're getting a request. Uh, it'll be like, I don't know, Turd Burglar 69 wants to help you. Will you accept? Will you? Ex- yeah. Will you accept it? And I'm like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. And then I'm like trying again and I die. And it's like, do you want to continue? And I'm like, yes, I fucking want to continue. And it goes, you're getting a uh, uh, an assistance request from like Cat Lover 42. They want to help you. Will you accept it? And I'm like, no, I won't fucking accept it. And then I try again and I die. And I, I do this for a while and I'm finally like, I can't beat this. And it's like, hey, Turd Burglar 69 wants to help you again. Will you accept it? And I was like, fuck yeah, Turd Burglar, let's do this. So Turd Burglar shows up along with like four like four other players, like Cat 49, like and Pinecone Planter 23. Like they're all in there and with their ships. And you're now shooting with like, you know, five ships at these things, and you're destroying these systems because you're so much stronger when you're not alone. Uh and every time they're circling around your ship and when they get hit, it just tells you that like turd burglar 69's data has been lost. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? And you keep going and you keep going and you finally defeat the system. You get through it and the pods are able to revive the machines and, uh, or revive the androids. And then they tell you, Hey, I know you don't know any of those people. And I know that like, this was very difficult to do, but you got through it. It's like, but I have a, like a question to ask you, like this was difficult and you know what it's like. And there's going to be others that are going to be going through this too. Uh, would you be willing to help them? And you're like, fuck yeah, I'll help them. I would love to help them. You know, they helped me get through this. And they said, but the problem is, if you want to help them, we have to erase your data. Like, it's going to take all of your data to get you across to their game. And it's like, oh. So they're like, you can, you don't have to help them. You don't even know this person. You may never meet them in your life. They may never thank you. But if you do want to help them, we're going to erase your save. And you're like, oh. So when Turdburger 69's data was lost, it was literally lost. It erased his game. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then you, if you say yes, like you're like, it's a video game. Come on. And you're, they're like, are you sure? You will never get this back. And you're like, yes. I want to help whoever else goes through this. And you have to watch for like five minutes as it goes through all of your menus and erases everything you've ever had in the game, goes into your inventory, delete, 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 deletes everything you have, goes into like your chip setup, delete. And then it deletes the whole inventory uh, menu. And then it goes on to the next thing all the way until it gets to your, your saved game data. Uh, And it goes to like your load. It goes to your, um, your saved games and it goes through Delete, 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 gone. Wait, and then all it goes your saves finally to just one. All your saves. Every save that's on the game gets deleted. And then it goes to the load menu where you would load your data. Deletes everything. 
And then it says there's nothing left. And it just gives you this like image where it gives you hope that 2B and 9S and A2 have been rebuilt and will be able to find like meaning in this world now that they're all their gods are dead. But you'll never know for sure because you've been put back to the beginning of the same cycle they've been put through over and over and over. Oh, the snake eats its tail. It's fucking wild. So I walked away from that going like, this is incredible because these are the kinds of stories you can only tell through a video game. They're not like your... They're not like your Uncharted. They're not like your Tomb Raiders where they're trying to make like a blockbuster movie into a video game. Like these are like your Undertales, right? Like these are your stories that you can only, that can only be told through the medium of like an interactive medium. Yeah. And it's incredible how they like managed to make it work. Yoko Taro is the director of this. Totally incredible. His vision, phenomenal. I loved every minute of this game. Let's take a quick uh, moment, and maybe you can try to explain this better. What's fucking buck wild to me, though, is that there's Nier Automata, which is birthed off of Nier, which is birthed off of a random ending, possible ending, joke ending. It's a fucking joke ending to a PlayStation 2 game. Is it Drakengard? Drakengard, yeah. So the way it's been explained to me, since it's a more popular ending, is like the Silent Hill 2, two 1 or 2 ending, where it's just like an alien ending. The dog like, ending? Yeah, the dog ending. So it's the Drakengard <laughs> ending has to do with aliens, which is buck wild for that universe that would never happen. And then there's some Silent Hill ending where it's just like a dog. So do you know what happens in Silent Hill 1? Like for the that ending? Yeah. I don't know about Silent Hill 1, but it's the same in the others, I think. In Silent Hill 2, the dog ending was just like, you open up a door, and your guy goes, it was you the whole time, and it's a dog at the consoles. Like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, on security system. So, there was a basically, quote-unquote, joke ending to the Drakengard games, where somebody was just like, hey, let's actually do this. And then they made the Nier game, and then, see, for some reason, I think there's two games prior to Nier Automata, um, which I know they just came there's, out with the Nier Replicant. They're two, but they're the same game. So uh, Nier, that was released in the U.S., the older game, and Nier Replicant are the same game, but with their main character swapped. So what no, happened I know was... That. I know there's a... Uh, I don't know if it's the main character swap. I know in one of them you have to say the sister, which I think is the... Uh, American version and the other version you have to save your son? No, so it's always the girl but the when it was first released in the US Nier had um, a big burly like man character so the relationship between him and the girl was more like a father-daughter relationship mm. uh, because That'd Japanese be publishers didn't think that we would like a like thin little like effeminate male character they thought we wanted a big strong man boy boy so that's what they yeah so that they gave us like the big strong guy the first time around but now that replicant came out they gave us the original version that is what came out in japan with the 
the different main character. Um, so, so the fact that something this like somebody basically so even like what I've heard about the near game, um, which I I think you said you'd be moving to that next. Like you do have intentions of playing it, right? Oh, I'm gonna play it like as soon as probably as soon as it goes on sale. It's still sixty bucks. So, from my understanding, is that like that still feels pretty far removed from that initial game. It feels very much to me, if I had to paint a blind analogy to it, it's like a lot of people don't know that like definitely cry was like a uh, Resident Evil. I guess technically it was supposed to be three. Like, so that's what it feels like to me looking at the original Dragon Guard games versus, like, what Nier Automata is, is, like, looking at what Devil May Cry 5 is versus what Resident Evil, let's say, 7 was. Yeah, like, Dragon Guard is, like, wildly different. Yeah, so far removed. Yeah. So much more. Again, I knew about this game. It came up during some video game outlets uh, coverage of video game music. And it showed the amusement park scene, the amusement park boss battle, the bullet hell with that marionette robot, which was an awesome fight. But the music to it was just amazing, and I was just like, "There's something about this, like just detail to detail, that it really captivating to me." So I've always kept kind of kept my eye on it, and when I saw it popped on PS Now, I was just like, "I've got to play this." And that boss not- fight was incredible too. Yeah. Uh, even the mechanics to it, like not only just dude, every aspect of that boss fight was amazing. The mechanics. Well, what the was phases. interesting to me? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was great. Um, but like thematically, it all fit to the the same thing. Like finding meaning again. Like when you fight that boss with Nine S, it shows how she became that big, like, uh, like robot that she is. Like with the dress and like all of the the like android bodies hanging off of her and stuff. Yeah. It was about how she, she wanted to be beautiful. She felt like she had no meaning unless she was beautiful and she killed all these different robots and took their parts. And did did you have any feeling beautiful and was still empty afterwards? Like it's incredible, man. Did you have any feelings about like, to me, like fighting the, uh, so these androids pop down as basically minions on a kind of scarecrow cross where they can't move, but they still attack you. So defeating them shouldn't be an issue, but you kind of see that like they're the same as you. It it just felt weird to me, like in the fact that, or not in the fact, but through the lens of, I gave myself full immersion, like fully immersing myself as a character of two B. It felt weird to me to, have to fight these minions that were obviously marionette scarecrow being used by the main boss they were other androids yeah so it was yeah and that's reflected in like the dialogue in that scene as well like they have their reservations about you know killing the androids that are being used as weapons but it's like you know it's in the way of their overall mission and 2b is nothing if not cold so <laughs> beautifully so <laughs> yeah but uh, i thought that was kind of interesting like there was one more thing that just popped into my head that i wanted to tell you about there's this uh little side quest that stuck with me too for the same reason everything else did um there's two of them actually one 
is the uh, the karate robot, like the, the dojo title. master guy. Robo dojo. Yep. And, uh, um, father father uh, Servatos, monk something. Yes. Father yeah. Servatos. Him. Though. And there's another robot that wants to race you, like wants to uh, be a, like a speed challenge. God damn it. I, I It was something really like you wouldn't think it came into this game. It was just like chase your dreams or some shit. Yeah. So what I thought was interesting is both of these side quests had the exact same like progression and layout and it fit in with everything else that I'd seen so far. So father Servato or whatever his name is, he challenges you to fight. He's like, Oh, I'm a karate master. I want to fight you. And then when you beat him, he asks you to get parts to upgrade him so he can fight you uh, and be give you a stronger fight. And he does this several times until he's like as powerful as he can possibly be. And then when you finally beat him, he's like, well, I've given you the best fight I possibly can. And then he lets you kill him. Like he doesn't want to live anymore because his meaning in life was to fight and to be to give you the strongest fight that he could. And when you still defeated him and he felt like he achieved that goal, he had nothing left to live for. So he ended it. And it's really interesting because the speedy robot does the same fucking thing. He wants to race you and he does these harder and harder race challenges. And when you finally beat him at his fastest, he's so blown away by it. He's like, wow, like that was the fastest I could go. I'm so impressed. You've given me everything like speed was my entire life and I'll never go faster than this. And then he just self-destructs. That's the end of his whole life because his meaning was just to go fast. It's so wild how all these little characters exemplify this core theme through the entire game. So this is going to get brought up in the next episode that I do. So spoiler warnings for the next episode. I There's two head... Uh, um, there's two viewpoints you can look at life. And this is very boiled down and narrow-minded. It's either I want to be best, I want to be number one, I want to always win it stuff. Or the viewpoint of if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. There's either aspect of like you want to always succeed at stuff or you always want to challenge yourself at stuff. Do you have thoughts on that? Like that's really like point and click that that's the end of my thoughts just presenting those two yeah. options it feels like it it's ties all, into the game it's, it's all perspective and and that's explored you know as a core theme throughout the game but it's ultimately value in life or meaning in life or uh really anything that people cherish like is whatever you give value to yourself whatever you choose to find meaning in is what your meaning is. And that there's something both like terrifying and beautiful, like about that, because you're responsible for like your own happiness. You know, it's like, if you want to find it in religion, if you need that, if that's something that speaks to you, then absolutely. There's nothing. You're not wrong. Like you're not wrong for finding meaning in that. And you're not wrong for finding meaning outside of that either. And if you think that the meaning of your life is just to exist without a purpose and just enjoy it for what it is, then you're correct in that too. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. Well, sorry. Um, 
I'm sorry, I didn't early. think we were going to get like so philosophical on this. <laughs> no, I mean, no. Okay, so that's what I was going to say is uh, I, I, I believe at some point I mentioned, geez, how do I make this concise, even though we're not here for conciseness? <clears throat> so nerds to me aren't just people who find value in something to an overtly passionate level. It's people who, so I've said this in past episodes, and it's something that I've really enjoyed hammering is both transparency, but also the fact that like, there's a reason we're into this shit. There's a reason that we, that I know so much about Batman that I do. And it's not just that Batman's a cool character. It's just that I found value within Batman or I found value in ABC that like, I have related a personal aspect to myself to. Oh, there's a lot of people who are not able to say, hey, I'm into this because of X, Y, Z. And part of the thing I've liked about this podcast is kind of exploring not only the nostalgic or sentimental aspect of why you originally got into something, like we'll speak in future episodes of why and how long you've been into JRPGs and RPGs, but also like what meaning have you ascribed from that and i also agree i didn't intend to get this heady but i also enjoy the kind of heavy philosophicalness that comes down from hey not only tell me about what you're passionate about but why are you passionate about it in a more hu- human level of stuff so anyways that's why i'm excited for tales of arise i just like sad robots <laughs> Dude, uh, so my pre-order, somebody asked me, like, what I get for the Deluxe Edition pre-order. I was like, I don't fucking know, but I'm all in for this game. And even you called me out on the aspect of just, like, have you even played a Tales game? Like, nope, not really. Something went weird with my file save of uh, Tales of... This, this pair, I can't even say it out loud. So I haven't even fully played a Tales of game, but I'm so fucking excited for Tales of. Do you it looks have- beautiful, man. Do you have any other thoughts of Nier, though, before we step into the new territory? Uh, no, I mean, I ranted about Nier for like an hour, I think. So I feel so bad for everyone listening. <laughs> hey, if you're still I listening, like, that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I just like, I have no idea how coherent it was. Hopefully it was. But man, I fucking loved that game. Dude, I've said it publicly, privately, I would say on top of a rooftop. To me, if I, I enjoyed listening to you talk about it, oh geez, that's the pretty much the fucking end cap tagline of all my episodes. But honestly, like I feel as though if I enjoy listening to you talk about, it, there's at least one other human on this planet who would enjoy listening to talk about, and that's all that matters to me. Like not just, not really like listenership, but just like one person enjoys listening to the same thing I do. Yeah, Anyways, for sure. I mean, I, like I like talking club. about it. Video games are fun. That's ultimately what we're here for. Yeah, not just video games, but also, I was going to say movies, but damn, dude, you're not just into the movie universe like I am. Is there a singular movie that you can think of that you're excited for? Oh, I watched a terrible movie. That's not what I asked, but okay. I Yeah, well, this is important because anyone listening, uh, no, I'm going to save you the trouble of watching a really bad movie. I was on Hulu the other day and I wanted to watch a horror movie and I came across this movie called little Joe and it was no, stop. Was, Shut up. Listen. Shut your mouth. Shut anybody who's listening right now. Who's not watched Joe's apartment. Go do that. 
Joe's Apartment is a great film. This, however, is not. (laughs) Little Joe was listed as like a horror movie. And it said like in the description, it was like, oh, they made a plant that can bring their, you know, their owner happiness. But then they bring a plant home and they don't realize how sinister it really is. So I'm like, fuck, yeah, let's watch this. And I put it on. And what followed was two hours of the most boring fucking bullshit movie I have ever seen. It was so bad. Nothing happens. I can't spoil it because there are no plot points. It is a terrible fucking movie. I made it a point not to watch this. Okay, so you and our other friend, mutual friend Nick, had uh, get a frustration of me recommending things before I'm done with it, which I understand, but... To the Eric, to, to my you defense, also recommend things that you've never even tried. To my defense, you're like, I think you would like this. Hey, <laughs> and I'm like, have you tried? No. <laughs> quit, quit cutting me off before I finish talking about rubber. Was Little Joe better or worse than rubber? Oh God, uh, it was much worse than rubber. <laughs> so rubber is one of the few things that I purposely not experienced just so I can continuously recommend it to people and be like, yeah, I've heard it's good. Shrug shoulders. I, Rubber is not, is not good. That is, that is a fucking bad film. I, I but know. it is a lot, a lot better than little Joe. R- Rubber is one of the one. Okay. So rubber. No, you know what? I want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk about little Joe for a second now. Okay. So <laughs> I thought you did. I'm sorry. You told me there's no, nothing no, to fine. talk about. I thought the takeaway yeah, was and I nothing. Did, there isn't, but I, now I kind of want to tell you what the so-called plot is. So they make a plant, a flower, that is supposedly gives off a thing, like a scent that makes you happy. That's the whole like concept of what they've come up with, right? Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, so then they take this plant home, and it like poops out a bunch of pollen, and this lady's dog inhales the pollen and then the lady is like, that's not my dog anymore. So I had him put down and you're like, okay. And then, uh, then the movie goes on for about an hour where nothing happens other than they keep going in and like looking at the flower and sometimes talking to the flower, never anything creepy or interesting, just bullshit. And it keeps pooping out pollen and you gotta stop saying pooping out pollen it's called pollinating yeah it's it's yeah (laughs) pooping out pollen and it uh and the same lady who was talking about the dog eventually goes the plants got you all you're not the same anymore you're all like not yourselves but all of these people are still exact they're acting exactly like themselves they're there's nothing different about any of them. They're acting exactly the same. And then she's like, you're all different now. You're all different. And then the movie ends with them saying, Hey, we're going to win award for this flower. That's the move. That's two hours of that. So nothing happens. No one acts different. Nothing changes. She says, you're all different now. And then they win an award for being good scientists. Are you trying to waste our time by talking about this just to feel better about the fact you wasted your time watching it? Actually, I think that's exactly what's happening here. I have to ju- <laughs> I had to ju- justify the fact that I spent two hours watching that absolute shit show. Who recommended that to you? Hulu. Hey, have you watched Dave on Hulu yet? 
Yeah, it's a good show. Oh, really? Okay, all right. So, uh, God, we talked about something at the beginning of this episode. Uh, something start. Okay, Watchmen. So it felt the same to Watchmen to me, where it's just like ah, it has some of these things I think you would like, and I have never fully. Dave is Dave not to you. like Watchmen. No, no. Okay, that, no. <laughs> what What I meant though was just like if there was these Connect Four slots that I needed to fill up, and I needed to connect all four before recommending it to you. I never got a connect for in Watchmen. I never got a connect for Dave. Where it just felt like I was like, I don't know if he's gonna like this or not. Dude, yeah, I Dave started is watching good, but... season two of Dave. Have you started season two yet? Yeah, season one is much better than season two. Okay, yeah, because I'm on episode like three of season two, and if anybody's watched, if anybody listening to this have watched Dave. This will make sense, but Chuck and Chuck just got through a wild opening of an episode. You don't yeah. need to get gum out of another dude's butt. I don't care how good of friends you are. <laughs> that I, you are my best friend. I will never get gum out of your butthole. That episode I did think was really funny, though. I did find that one very funny. I, but the show goes from being like the first season is basically just like an interesting, funny, like character comedy slash minor, minor drama beats, you know, Um, it's pretty interesting. But the second season kind of feels like a bunch of self-contained episodes instead. It doesn't feel like it's exploring. I have one episode left. Fuck, this is a spoiler to you. So you can tell me when to stop. It's another example of if this was not spoiled for me, I would not have done done it. So season two, literally the last three minutes of it was spoiled for me. And I was like, holy fuck, mm-hmm. I want to know how we get to there. So those self-contained episodes that you're talking about, there's one. Yeah, you know what? This isn't really a spoiler as much as a theme. So the one theme to all that is Dave is being way more self-centered than normal. He is mm-hmm. episode one, paying attention to himself instead of K-pop. Episode two, paying attention to himself instead of blank. Why can I not remember episode two? Episode three, paying attention to himself instead of Gata. All of it is just like he is so self-indulged and it has a boiling point and then it has a chef's kiss like okay i'm ready for season three now granted there's a midsection there where i'm only on episode three i just know how the season ends and i'm already like yes this is a good fucking ending to what that all was okay well we'll see let me know what you think you can totally disagree in the comments below that don't exist um they (laughs) you recommended a movie no we don't care recommendations came at the top at the end of all of this, I want to know what you were excited I for. I unrecommended a movie. I yeah, recommended that you don't want <laughs> that you don't watch it. And that, that feels <laughs> fitting to do that at the end. Here's You're shit exci- you shouldn't do. You're excited for people to not watch Little Joe. But what are you yeah, you're welcome. for? What is on your Christmas what, list? My Christmas list? Um Dude, so honestly, I'm, I forced I, you to watch Prag Project Magnum prior to this and i specifically told you i didn't want to know your thoughts or your thoughts yeah uh i'm not interested we'll see it looks cool the trailer's cool but here's i need to see some fucking like real gameplay first of all 
Like that was very clearly like a very staged trailer. Uh, yeah. Two, it's from Nexon. Like, well, it's from like a sub company of Nexon. And yeah. Nexon is known for just pumping out a ton of shit that's microtransaction heavy. So I don't have a lot of faith, but I'll try it. It might be fun. Maybe I'll be wrong and this little sub company kicks ass. So but... Project Magnum, I think, is it's a working title. They're not going to keep it, I don't think. But that trailer dropped yesterday. To me, it looked like the uh, cool cosmetics trailer. of a final... Huh? Cool trailer, though. Yeah. And to me, yeah, it looked like the cosmetics of a Final Fantasy newer kind of 15 uh, with the gameplay of like a Destiny, but like in the setting of a Gears of War, or I can't even think of what setting it really would be. But it looks really fucking good, and it does look like it could be another like... All right, you know what? Backtracking from that, fuck that game. Let's not talk about it. Doki V? Holy shit, there's no way that's real. There's no fucking way Doki V is what that trailer says it is. What are you saying? Did you never watch that Doki V trailer I sent you? What is Doki D? V. Oh, Jesus Christ, Doki V? Have you not watched that yet? No, what's that? On air live, I will fill the dead air time. Type into your browser uh, and YouTube. Type in D-O-K-E-V. I had to do this with um, my last guest, Charles McGregor, as well, for that Star Wars uh, Visions trailer. That drops next month, and I am so excited for it and looking forward to it. Uh, whichever guest I have alone around that time, I'll probably talk to about it. Um, <clears throat> what I'm doing right now, though, is feeling dead air, because this son of a bitch has not yet seen a trailer to... God, what the what fuck, fuck is this? This looks like Pokemon. He interrupted my words. It's what Pokemon MMO should have been this whole time. But, Jesus, I don't even know how to begin. There's a fucking jet ski in that trailer. Um, you can say out loud the These kids are having so much fun. Yep. Is the music music bopping for you? I wish I could put the music in here. Oh, yeah. The music is an absolute bop. The only word I can understand in the entire fucking song is Rockstar. God damn, did I not feel like a rock star when I was all over. Yeah. There's no uh, way this is not is happening here. This is more disappointing than the blue box conspiracy of Abandoned being a Silent Hill game. Guess what, people? Abandoned, it's an abandoned game. If it ever comes out, I will donate $5 to charity. $10. What the shit is happening in this? Uh, for God, sometimes I do wish this was a visual. Like I put this out visually, he's kind of nodding his head right now, like to the music. Oh, I'm like realize- I'm bumping along. The, the music <laughs> absolutely slaps. The dude has a fucking. We're talking about how you met. There's a longboard the kid rides. There's a scooter. He's riding rides. a llama. Oh my God, that llama scene is so good. But not only that, okay, so Breath of the Wild started to pop due to the hang glider scene. And Spider-Man became cool because of, like, spider-slinging through New York City and Spider-Man 2 felt so damn good. This game has hang gliding, and this game has web-slinging, and llamas, and monsters that you capture, and monsters that you fight. Very Okay, so apparently this game has a hint of Monster Hunter in it. Dude, look at them fucking swing that big boy hammer up against that lizard. 
should be happening right now. One, two, three. That would have been really. Cool uh, they swung the hammer a while ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that would be cool. Is, <laughs> yeah, this is fucking wild. Yeah, it just the graphics. I feel like I'm high. <laughs> the graphics, everything about that game is like, there's no way this is fucking real. They did change it from an MMO to a single player like driven game, but I'm okay with that just because it feels like they're going to tighten up all the aspects of it. And dude, I'm fucking Pokemon's fun as single player, so. I so you oh, what is Doki. happening now? It's like it's like dropping into dubstep now. Have you gotten to the jet skiing moment the... yet? Yeah, oh yeah, they're jet skiing, driving tiny cars. Yeah, the little fucking beep, beep. <laughs> half half boy, half car, coming boy car. <laughs> now he's like shooting confetti out of a fucking hat. What? What is? I don't understand this. Are you a day one or are you a wait and see? I don't I have no idea I swear during that dead silence moment he was trying to talk we were trying to form words and just I I have never seen anything quite so cerebral Uh, yeah it's like this is like what doing drugs would be like as a game if you were a small child. <laughs> yeah. This would be like doing drugs as a five-year-old. You know how like self Park's always comparatively like, yeah, this is how we're actually – not – not okay, hold on. Let me reset that over. So the cussing in All right, South the Park – the trailer's over. The cussing in South Park, uh, they defend by saying, yeah, we actually cuss this way as kids. So Dougie V to me feels like the imagination kids actually had as kids. But, like, if they're on drugs. You know what? There's yeah, no good way like, to explain that. Yeah, like, if I had an overactive imagination and my parents gave me a shitload of acid, that is exactly what it was. As a child. Like, I think. Yep. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. So all it requires <laughs> is a very irresponsible family and tons of drugs. Uh, so that's I, wonder, the thing I wonder if that game is based on a true story. Uh, it's based off of... Um, God, I forget the actual pronunciation, but there's things in Sakria uh, folklore known as Doki, and they're basically like um, mythical creatures. Um, so they kind of go with the lore of that. Like, I don't know if the panda with the boxing gloves is one of those Dokis or not, but yeah, that's kind of the uh, thrust of it. Um, so is speaking, it? It's like uh, a like a Pokemon or like a Yokai watch type thing. Speaking of, did you see that Monster Rancher is getting a fucking re-release? Game or anime? Game. The original, and then the, there's a second one, like DX or something. I'm surprised that's coming back. That was never like one of the... Top tier? The more, Yeah, that was always kind of like, you know, your C-tier monster catcher game. I... The only thing that was cool about it was how you could put your... Uh, your fucking discs in the PlayStation and make those into monsters. I do think the anime was cool, but it definitely wasn't. Um, I think we agree that Digimon was the best anime for those monster catchers. Digimon was the shit and is coming back, baby. Did it ever really leave? 
I haven't followed it. But... Yeah, oh yes, it did. It be it's. <laughs> did, did, they did, like the, kept the making... try came out already though, didn't it? He said it's come back, but didn't yeah. the try already end? Try was like a series of movies. Um, it's and then they recently aired a reboot of the first season, uh, which is cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to finish that. I think and I tried to then they it. also in the last year rebooted and re-released like a brand new version of the Digimon card game as well. So like that whole franchise is like bad. Yes. Uh, you Fucking can, cool. Would you recommend that Digimon game you played to anybody or would you call it like a seven out of 10? Oh, um, Cyber Sleuth. Yeah, it was, uh, that's hard to say. I would say if you are a fan of Digimon it's one of the best Digimon games to come out in a very long time. Uh, if you are not a fan of Digimon, then it is an absolutely mediocre RPG. I, I meant to come at you and attack you for the fact that like you said something was a 4 out of 10 recently, and you also called it okay. I still do not understand your rating system. You and I have discussed this. I don't understand your 1 through well, 10 rating system. 5 is halfway. <laughs> it's not seven is halfway no that's just what it's become like, no it's seven is average 70 percent. that's an average that's, what that's I'm saying. mostly good like, mostly no, good it's because it's because it's been fucking diluted it's if you have a scale of <laughs> uh one to zero to ten and your average score like uh, like saying something is decent is a seven like, what the fuck are the numbers one through five for? I don't do you disagree with you. I don't disagree with you entirely. However, you being the minority here still makes it hard to agree with you. No, dude. So think about it this way. If you were if you were going to give something a seven out of ten, right? And you were to translate that to a, 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 an X out of five rating, right? You would give it a three out of five, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just over halfway for good, but like that makes no sense on a seven out of or at a on a ten scale. It makes no sense to say, oh, it's like you're saying it's above average if you're giving it a seven, because you're above the median. You're above the mean. Like I just so long as we agree that you're in the minority here. No, I just know how to count to ten. <laughs> Everyone who's only rating and everyone who's only rating on a scale of one to 10 and is only giving out fives to tens. What is wrong with them? It's like, Oh, five and below is bad. And they're just varying degrees of garbage. No, that's not how that should work. Uh, I, 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 a five I, out of I 10 adore, should be a mediocre game. I adore how passionate you become about this because you are actually not wrong. But, yeah, that's all I got. You're not wrong, but yeah. like if you're if you're only Ellipses. if you're on a yeah if you're on a ten scale and you're only going to use five of the numbers, just fucking move to a five scale. Stop wasting everybody's time with all those extra numbers. If I'm not wrong, I think you and Dan Riker think the same with that. I think he agrees that it's fucking stupid. It is stupid. Seven out of ten is not like average. It's not. Not on, not on ten. <laughs> so uh, there was another game. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
All things aside, you and I will do an episode in the future with our other dear friend Nick from the Rocky episode about the Final Fantasy games. What yeah, we are both excited about, something that we can kind of wrap it up on. Um, Final Fantasy VII First Soldier. You and I, fucking Team Squad, hashtag... We need a good hashtag for this. Dude, you and I fucking rocked it this game, that game. That beta was fun, man. Like, I don't really like normally love battle royales or anything. I fucking hate and them. especially Yeah, and especially not on a mobile platform. And it's like playing this game definitely felt like a cash grab to a certain degree. Like it was like, oh, let's just take uh you know uh player unknown and slap final fantasy shit on it like let's just do that and i was like there for it i liked it (laughs) i was like i know what this is and i don't care i'm still enjoying it it was so good the classes which i've never played in the other really battle royale so i don't know if like the classes are unique to this or if you can choose the same thing in PUBG and uh fortnite but like trying to decide whether i want to be a monk or a mage um, and every little like key thing you can think about from the Final Fantasy VII games, you have the PHS systems to reviving your friends, you have chocobos, you have the bikes, uh, all the magic, you have some of the uh, summons like Ifrit, um, probably future summons as well, uh, like Shiva, uh, the, uh, the was it Mako poisoning you would end up getting? Um, all of the materia, the different uh, Kira, Kiraga. Like, I was all in on Final Fantasy VII over the last year. And to see this pop up, I was just like, yeah, I want to try it. And then to dive into it, it just gave me every little morsel that I could have wanted from something like this. And not only that, but I was not bad at that game. Like, there is that one legendary play that you were there for, which the worst thing to do, which I talked about earlier, watching somebody else just play a game, having to sit there and watch. You and I and another team member dropped in to a fresh map for a game. You and I were what? That was our third or fourth game of the night? Yeah, I don't don't know. We, We had played a few games, yeah. We dropped into the middle of this square, got immediately fucking ambushed, and I almost died, but you two, you and our other teammate, some random, died almost instantly. We got fucking murked bad. I hobbled away with 7 out of 100 health, something really, really slim. Dude, I spend the next, how long? Let's say in real time. Like, what was it, 20 minutes? Like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It just... I literally was going from hut to hut, picking up ammo and weapons and sneaking off and defeating creatures. Did I take that match or did I get second? I think you won that. So this battle royale, I should have died as soon as we fucking landed. And it was like some Rambo shit where I was on my last leg and trying to heal up and just find one single Cura. And towards the end, I was just sniping people, snapping necks. Uh, dude, I never felt so good playing a game. And I <laughs> that was fucking can, cool. I cannot think of a better comeback story than that. Than from just like me running away like a coward because you two fought to your death. And I was just like, nope, I'm going to die. So I'm out. And then just like coming back with such vengeance. Anyways, yeah, you that played smarter beta than was, us. <laughs> yeah, that beta was great. Um, I'm excited for it to come back. 
Is there anything else you're excited about? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much it. Like I'm excited to, uh, I'm looking forward to playing near replicant when I get around to that. I think that's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. Yo, overcooked is a PlayStation five game for us next month. With PS plus. Yeah. So. We'll fuck around on that for sure. That'll be uh-huh. cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to playing that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much it for me, man. Yeah, I'm good. To, I'm curious to hear your continued thoughts with Sopranos. Um, I, I that's a show that's never fully interested me, so I'm curious if it grabs you at all. I, I might check into it. Uh, but again, you are Nicholas Barassa. Um, there's no real plug that you can give. You're somewhere on Instagram. <laughs> there's so you're somewhere yeah. on Instagram. Um, you will be on future episodes for sure. Um, this is where the episode where I'm going to announce there's going to be some formula of end of the year discussions that will get angry and violent and we will scream at each other and it will be great listening. You'll be back for that. Uh, excuse me. Um, you'll be back for the Final Fantasy episode. You're on Zodi Hacks. You will have a great EP uh, album to come out on Spotify, which I will plug the shit out of when you drop it. That's you. You're a great person. Um, I am Eric Smith. Um, you're, at, you're a great person. You are a great person, Nicholas Brasso. Um, I am uh, at sincerely underscore Eric. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, podcast is at calm down nerd P, P for podcast. Um, look, I always say I'm going to all and every episode with it. I do think as a nerd, as a person in life, the best way to find meaning in life is you have to like what you love. And I love to hear about it. Thank you for listening.